Bob, double shot, cappuccino, extra foam. Just thank you. No worries, buddy. Bob. Like I wanted to explain Fox for a million times. Drop it. Duncan and both come correct. I, I did. I did get slightly uncomfortable when you started complimenting me at the end of your video. Yeah, sorry about that. I'll uh, yep. I'll try to tone it down. Yeah, um, next time, just just abuse. That's that's the that's the the language of love, bro. The language of love. Yeah, it's like uh, Don Rickles. Like everybody liked being insulted by Don Rickles because mm-hmm. it was you know it was how how he communicated affection and attention. That's that is how I like to see what we do here. Yeah, it's like when my dad wanted to tell me he loved me, he would hum a, a beer bottle by my head, <laughs> and that's how I knew he cared. Why did I think like? <laughs> why did I think there was a song called "A Beer Bottle by My Head" and it was like a, a song he was humming? It's a David Lynch <laughs> song. <laughs> Oh, my dad loves me. Yeah. <laughs> it was more like, whoosh, crash. Aw. <laughs> Dad's getting sentimental me, tonight. <laughs> if he heated me, the ball would have hit me. So, clearly right. he loves me. Right. It's not that he was uncoordinated due to drink. Mm-mm. It's that he was intentionally missing me most yes. of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, listeners. Welcome back to Duncan and Bo Come Correct, a.k.a. Duncan and Bo Go to the X-Files, where we are examining uh, Season 11 of of the X-Files. This is the halfway point. Ooh. I know. Can you believe it? Um, Flying in. I know. (laughs) and, And we are on schedule. That's the real shocker. Yeah, but there's still five episodes to go, so <laughs> give it time, Lowenstein. All right, I get <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, there's pl- plenty of opportunity and plenty of room for us to fuck up the schedule. Oh yeah, yeah, it's only a matter of time. Um, we'll jump into it because uh, uh, you know we're we're both fine. Do we need to cover that? Do you have any ailments that you need to let the audience know about? Uh, no, I'm I'm in surprisingly good health, so. <laughs> Fantastic. There's been a nasty flu going around in the U.S. I don't know if it's hit uh, the U.K. as well. but So, yeah, in the U.K. and England, there was a, an outbreak of Australian flu, which, like, is basically... If, a, if Australian flu might as well just be called convicts disease. Um, <laughs> like really... Scurvy. <laughs> it gives you scurvy. So... So fucking terrible. I apologize to the witch because I love that man dearly. Um, and every opportunity I get, I fucking mock the fact that that's where we sent all our rapists. Um, so <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was done in England mostly. I don't think it hit Scotland, but you know, it was quite serious. Like the the health service over in the UK was really stretched quite thin because of it. And then I heard I've been reading up on particularly in New York. It's been quite bad, but uh, yeah, you guys are getting hammered with it as well. Um, and yeah, I, I, it's horrible. But I, I just want to think that this is the second sign of the oncoming apocalypse. So the first one was Trump got elected. The second sign is mass outbreaks of flu. The third sign was that Wall Street is is going the way it's not supposed to go. Bo. And um, I think the fifth sign, uh, sorry, the fourth sign will be when iTunes, not iTones, accepts us as a rightful ruler and uh, most downloaded podcast of all time. 
Yeah, yeah. It would be nice to think that we could, you know, turn this into a cult. Uh, <laughs> it's something I've dreamed about. <laughs> Give it time. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you want uh, an official Duncan and Bo come correct robe and Nike <laughs> pair of Nike sneakers. <laughs> Send all the change in your ashtray <laughs> to Duncan and Bo come correct. Yeah, inc- including any butts that are in there, just just bring them as well. Just whatever's in your ashtray. <laughs> Doesn't have to be change. It could be, yeah. you know, hair scrunchies. <laughs> a, a pet mouse. Whatever. I don't know, what, what have you been smoking? <laughs> Today? Yeah. Uh, I don't know what it's called. Um, <laughs> a mouse scrunchy Duncan. Why was, was you been smoking? <laughs> it's a, what was the one from um, Get Him to the Greek? The uh, oh, fuck. you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. It, it's like all the leftover drugs that you uh, <laughs> that you you take all together. Okay, it's like a Jeffrey. Was that what it's called? A it something like that. Yeah, yeah. Like a Jeffrey. Yeah. <laughs> at any rate, um, I'm. But no, I I haven't been affected by the flu at all. I feel uh, I feel great. I'm um, sure that everyone that has been affected by the flu will be happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah, I was well, doing fine. I do. What I I take a, a fairly liberal mouthful of M and M's every now and again. Oh, that'll do it. Yeah, and do it. Uh, yeah. I make sure to have a couple of green ones in there, and that's what yes. keeps you healthy. Yep, it's uh, part of your five a day. <laughs> oh, if only it were five a day, Duncan. Uh, for the 20 a day M&M's are delicious and tiny Duncan yeah, <laughs> yeah but like, like Bo likes to play a game when he's eating M&M's that he likes to pretend that he's even bigger than he actually is like a giant like Godzilla and each M&M's a little car that he's eating Ooh, I'm gonna have a green one. <laughs> I, you know what I really wish is I wish I had one of them like hamster bottles of M and M's where I could just tilt my head a little and lap at the tip and uh, get a couple of M and M's each time playing some <laughs> video games. There's there's a, a a very famous comedian in the in the UK who I I love dearly called Bill Bailey. If you've never checked out Bill Bailey's stuff, you need to. He's fucking hilarious. Very talented musician. But I was hoping important. he would come home, but. Yeah, I'm very fun, but um, that's it. Uh, yeah, that's why he he gets paid for his jokes and you don't, uh, right? So, and uh, Bill Bailey, this kind of like he's he's like a kind of he's like a Hobbit version of Eddie Izzard, but musical. Um, and he has a great skill where he talks about um, what he likes to do is he likes to to buy four Kit Kat chunkies. Do you have the Kit Kat chunky in America? Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, so he gets likes to get four Kit Kat chunkies and then like melt them together so they resemble like the ordinary Kit Kat but in huge size and pretend that he's a tiny person eating a giant one. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I had someone describe to me the way to uh, cook, prepare and cook like uh, one of them uh, Totino's party pizzas mm-hmm. in such a way as to essentially make a pizza burger. Oh, and it sounded like the worst idea and also most delicious idea I've ever heard (laughs) of like, well, that just means you're down in the whole thing right there. And that ain't the way to live, man. You can't be doing that all the time. Can't be rocking Totino's burgers. (laughs) 
<laughs> it did sound good though. I'm real tempted. That's why it's so dangerous. Yeah, you need to watch what you're doing. That's how Elvis died. That yeah, the, that and the massive cardiac arrest while he was shitting. But I, I, I want to see that. In addition to his poor diet, Duncan, there was a fairly hefty amount of quaaludes involved. <laughs> Drugs don't kill people, bro. Guns do. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was the sound of the gun when he shot the TV. Put him right over the edge. Oh, guns. Uh. What, those were his last words. Man? Yeah. Check it out, man. Guns. Uh. <laughs> it's also the Johnny Bravo, which is essentially Elvis. Yeah. The, like, uh, yeah. Johnny Bravo. Is he better than Elvis? I, I mean, <laughs> not a podcast listening to my Americans. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's a national treasure. I'll, you know what? I, I, I got to hand it to uh, one uh, Sir Elvis Presley. I'm sure he was a sir. I'm fairly uh, sure he wasn't, but let's go with it. <laughs> all right. I think Nixon made him a sir. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that's not how that works, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, agree to disagree. Um, <laughs> But I actually uh, went through uh, a, a, like one of them days where I'm on Spotify and I'm just like, man, I've never really listened to a lot of Elvis uh, oh. aside from the big hits, you know? Yeah. And and kind of went through some of the records. It's like, man, there's some good stuff on there. Elvis Presley's all right. Oh, I mean, he got... it was a good songwriter. I mean, we're good, uh, yeah. It, and I some mean, of the didn't, didn't get famous just because of his smoldering good looks and the dodgy lip yeah and the hips uh, oh it's all in the hips but it's all in hips. uh but like when all he got kind of weird and on drugs in the 70s some of that music is pretty good yeah uh, well bill hicks has said it many many times the, the good music comes fueled from drugs right you know elvis ruined a marriage and potentially his daughter yeah, uh, but you know got some good tunes out of it a couple of jumpsuits his cholesterol yeah uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, we saw the John Carpenter film, Duncan. We're not, we're not, we're no strangers to the Elvis story. We went right through that some bitch. Yeah, I like that movie. I know a lot of people don't care for it. I don't. I, don't I thought it was okay. Yeah, <laughs> you liked it a lot more than I did. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm I'm nothing but an optimist, Duncan, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. cockeyed optimist they call me. <laughs> uh, hey, speaking of stuff that we we like and or don't like. Oh, uh, what was that a segue? Did you break it a segue there? Fucking A, I did, man. That's why we're the number one on iTunes. iTunes for the win. Um, by the way, like or as they say in Slovakia, Dieknik. <laughs> uh, so Dieknik that button. <laughs> also the that sound I make. Also the sound I make when I ejaculate. <laughs> really? Dick nut. <laughs> You're saying dick nut though. It's like Yeah, yeah. But describe it like it's a verb and result. You know? Yes, that's exactly that's come on, car park, bro. Yeah, right. Right. Just just plain speaking. Yeah. Uh, that's how we roll over here. I like it. Uh I'm, I'm gonna try to start that trend, which is tough to do because it mm-hmm. means you gotta jerk off in front of people. <laughs> so never, it's never, never found that a problem though <laughs> yeah well you, you know. gotta go you gotta go it's a different world now duncan uh ask harvey weinstein yeah yep can't just be balling into potted plants anymore 
Yeah, I just think of all the, the alimony payments he's due to, like, rhododendron bushes. And, like, <laughs> Man, he is going to show up at the wrong party and just be murdered by stiletto heels. Yeah. You know, just women taking off their shoes and bludgeoning him to death with it. Uh, yeah, I, I like to think that, you know, he went, he, he decided that he was going to have a little tug <laughs> over a plant pot um, and the resulting release from from that uh, was um, Little Shop of Horrors. It, he produced the Audrey? Audrey yeah, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so his child me is Harvey. <laughs> his love child. <laughs> That, yeah, now I've just got that song running through my head. Where he's like, "You can do it." <laughs> Feed me, Harvey. Feed me all night long. All right, it's Levi Stubbs. Man, surprisingly musical opening to this episode. Hey, well, you know, it's not it. that surprising. Well, no, no, nothing surprises <laughs> me anymore, Bo. Nothing surprises me anymore. Expect the unexpected on Duncan and Bo. Come correct. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, we were introducing that segment, and we got distracted by our own segue. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> so just what? So, just so beautifully done. I just I, I, I was in awe. We yeah, almost yeah. we almost sounded professional for half a second, <laughs> right? And then quickly dispelled that notion. Uh, that's what I like about this show. Any idea that you think uh, you might be listening to a good podcast, we immediately correct it. Oh yeah, we beat the shit out of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Up so <laughs> something good and bad, entertainment wise, uh, that you have been uh, watching, listening to, uh, beamed into your brain, <laughs> Star Trek style. We'll we'll, uh, we'll start with the bad. Um, I didn't think it was, it wasn't terrible, it was just boring, <laughs> like super boring. Um, so there's a horror movie that recently made its way to Netflix called The Vault. Um, oh, the, with uh, James Franco. Yeah, yeah, why Franco's in this movie, I don't know. I'm assuming that someone wanted a new sports car. Um, you know, it literally makes no sense why this guy can have a movie like The Disaster Artist out in the same year as a movie like The Vault. Um, it's a kind of heist robbery movie slash haunted bank vault <laughs> movie. Kind of. Um, it takes a long time to do really anything. Um, Franco's trying to play it serious, but it really looks like he doesn't want to be in the movie. Um and then when we start to get to the supernatural stuff, it's just very cliche. It's, there's nothing in this movie at all. That... Does a ball come bouncing out of the vault? Oh, two, two seconds away from someone clapping behind the character's head and the lights going out. Um, it's really just... I, I think the biggest crime you can have against any supernatural movie is to say that it's boring. There's no suspense in it. It's paint by numbers and just tedious it's a tedious watch the movie's about an hour and a half long and i felt like i was watching it for a day um which is yeah so avoid avoid even james franco um could not save this movie it just it just to me it just did it did not do it, i think it kind of struggles with identity it almost feels like at one point it was like a heist movie and then someone was like oh maybe a ghost and they were like yeah a ghost 
And then no one did anything out with just shout, maybe a ghost. Uh, so it's so, no innkeepers is what you're saying. I love the innkeepers. So do I. I. The innkeepers is awesome. Yeah, the innkeepers to me is a, a, is a prime example of how you do suspense and build up very, very slowly. But introduce you to likable characters and good dialogue. All the things the vault kind of wishes it had, but doesn't really. Um, it's not off. I mean, it's shot, it's shot well. Um, it's a short movie, even though it feels long. Um, right. It's just not, there's nothing in here to even there's nothing. It finished, and I kind of thought to myself, mm, I'll be interesting if I can remember much about that movie tomorrow, and then the next day I couldn't remember much about the movie at all, uh, which is not good. Yeah, yeah, uh, but you know, hey. You give me shit for it all the time, I know, but the, I, I watch a lot of them movies that are just like, they're trying here, but they just, the script ain't there, and it's just boring as shit. Yeah, um, but you go into those movies expecting that. I didn't go, I went into watching The Vault thinking James Franco horror movie. That seems like an interesting combination. You know, and, and, but here's the funny thing is that I've seen The Vault on Netflix a number of times, and I've thought that, like, James Franco in a horror movie. And then I start to think about, like, I, I'm i not the biggest James Franco fan in the world, and he does a lot of crap. Mm-hmm. And also, that movie looks real boring. Well, hey, it's, yeah. the Ouija <laughs> Possession 4, you say. <laughs> you, <laughs> that's, the bit that, that's the jump that I don't get. I Yeah, right. I, I, I know you don't, and... You'll never know the joys, man. I, I, I wish I yeah. wish I could uh, somehow lend you my brain for an <laughs> evening so that you could watch one of these movies and be like, all right, I understand why this is entertaining. But I don't think you enjoy any of them. I, yes, I, I do. I do. That, like when something's genuinely bad uh, or or just inept in a way that, like just the technical ineptness or ineptitude of some mm-hmm. of the stuff, it, it just makes me laugh. You know, it's like the thing in the room about like, oh, why don't we just shoot on a roof now yeah. when we can sh- build a roof set and then green screen it and for no reason? It. Yep. It's that kind of shit where I'm like, that's very funny. I don't know why they did this. But that's a terrible decision. And it, I part of it too is like as as a as a screenwriter and, and you know, someone interested in the mechanics of film, when something goes horribly awry, it's almost as interesting as when it goes really well, because both things teach you something. Mm-hmm. But at any rate, uh, enough of that. What, what, give me something good you saw. I don't care about this terrible shit. <laughs> right. So I, I binged uh, an entire season of a TV show. Um all eight episodes and I will stress that it sounds like I did something far more arduous than I actually did um, each episode of the TV show was 20 minutes long so if you do the math it's under four but it's about four hours just under four hours three right. hours um, it's a, a TV show which I'd actually been out in the UK much earlier well, I, I want to say it was out maybe the start of last year and I hadn't seen it and uh, Channel 4 put it out in the UK who they tend to do quite interesting stuff. Uh, it's a show called The End of the Fucking World. It's on Netflix as well. I believe it's on Netflix in the States as well. Um, and it's a super, super quick watch. 
And it's really interesting and really enjoyable. Um, so the, the, the premise is um, this girl who really, like, she's like in high school, but she just can't relate to anyone. She kind of feels empty inside, like, our our. our her dad left her when she was really young. Her mum's married to this complete prick who and she's now got two new kids and she's kind of like outsider in that house and she doesn't really have anything going for her. Befriends this kind of weird kid who we find out really, really quickly is convinced that he is a psychopath, a serial killer who has been killing animals for years. Um, and she she kind of talks him into running away with her. And this guy's entire motivation is, yeah, when we get out far enough, I can kill you. <laughs> you can be my first victim. And it's going to be a magical moment. And all manner of dark hilarity ensues. Um, yeah, it was really, really, really good. Uh, it's mostly done a really great chemistry between the, the two kind of teenage um, central leads. But it's kind of like you get a lot of inner monologue between the two characters. So what they're feeling at the moment um, and how that's different from what the other one's feeling, and we hear a lot of what's going on in their head. I, I thought it worked really well. I thought um, there was shades of like the very first season of the UK TV show Skins. So for all my like old school UK fans out there, it, it kind of reminded me a bit of that. But um, yeah, I thought really good central performances, really dark subject matter, um, and. I kind of, I think I heard somewhere that maybe there's a second season being greenlit. See if there's not, it is probably one of the most wonderfully dark endings to a TV show I've seen in a long time. And if they bring it back, I would be happy to continue the story. So yeah, I highly recommend the end of the fucking world. So that's my, uh, that's my good. Confirmed it is on Netflix in the States. And uh, yeah, it, it, one of those things, another one I've almost watched a handful of times. Yep. And, it's an easy watch. Like you okay. can, you will breeze right through that in no time. And like I say, episodes are like 20 minutes each. It's about the length of an episode of Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty, you know what I mean? You will fly through that before you know it, and then it'll be done. And then you've got that. I could watch another season of that. Um, but like I say, if they decide they don't want to do one, that's perfectly fine. All right, I, I'll give it a, a watch. I it, it I've heard nothing but good things. And uh, uh, hey, ooh, speaking of the binging shows, uh, this ain't the good or the bad, and we won't do this long. But uh, the the Star Trek journey continues, mm -hmm. and I am now uh, like well into season five oh. on my list. And uh, boy, yeah, that show just kind of gets better. Oh, uh, so so the highlights. What what ones have you saw recently? Uh oh! I wish I had the whole list in front of me. I know uh, there was I Borg, oh right, uh, which is where like uh they find a a a Borg by itself out in yep. the middle of nowhere and are like Jean Luc Picard is like we're gonna fucking kill every last <laughs> Borg. This is gonna be great. God, my dick is so hard to kill these people. And then they're like, yeah, we've been talking to this Borg. We we his name is Hugh, Hugh and he's kind of. And he's kind of adorable. Yeah, we are Hugh. Right, right. And it's like, you know, oh, you are Hugh. <laughs> oh, man. And so that was a great episode. Uh, hold on. Let me see what else I watched real quick. Um, I, wasn't, I wasn't prepared to talk about all this. Um, oh, uh, Darmok. 
the episode where so what uh, I was on about where yeah, they're speaking, so, they're speaking like fables to each other. Yeah. Oh, such a good episode. That episode was so good. Um, Shaka when the walls fell. Oh, uh, uh, Kimba. Kimba uh, when the yeah Kimba when Kimba the, with his arms wide, wide open. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Such a oh, good yeah that oh that was it was an excellent excellent episode. Mm-hmm. Um, there was uh, uh, let's see the first duty which was the one where Wesley um, shut up Wesley shut up Wesley uh, you fucked it up again Wesley <laughs> um, but it's the one where he's at the academy and is. Like somebody died in this training, and a training mission. exercise. Yeah, yeah, and right. Kind of, it kind of becomes a few good men. It kind of does, but the thing that was really cool about that episode, I thought, was that it kind of ends in a place where it's like, you know, you really stepped in it this time, Wesley. <laughs> like, like he fucked up. Oh yeah, and, badly. And, yeah. yeah, and it was like, you know, this is a thing that's always going to follow you, but oh, you ultimately did the right thing. But you've still got to pay for this. Yeah, you have no idea what's going to happen to Wesley, and that's kind of what's amazing. Yeah, and I I thought that was genuinely good, and mm-hmm. uh, um, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, so, but the good and bad, yeah, and and both of these are they're like a step and a half from each other. So <laughs> we're dealing, we're not dealing with extremes here. I talked about. Stupid and futile, or futile and stupid gesture on Morbid Mondays, and I was want a great to find, all that by here. the way. Great find. No one's talking about that. Have, have you watched it? No, not yet. Oh, it's so good. Anyway, um, yeah, that it's a fantastic movie, and and the book as well has been great. Um, so yeah, watch the Morbid Mondays thing, and 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 certainly see that movie. But let's start with the bad. Oh, right. In a spoiler-free as possible way. The Cloverfield Paradox um, is not very good. Right. See, right, I've not seen it. And I, you know what? I, I've been feeling the, the, the need to knee-jerk defend this movie since it got released without seeing it, um, which is weird. Because, <laughs> one, I, I know the premise of the movie and it doesn't interest me. I'm not really into kind of sci-fi horror, like space horror, because I think there's maybe about two or three movies that have ever existed that have done it well. <laughs> like, and the rest are all kind of dumb. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so, so there's that aspect, but a lot of the criticism that I have read about it, um, I, as what I've said before, I, I think people, and I'm not, I've, once again, you're saying that it's kind of borderline, so you're not saying it's like a terrible, terrible movie. You're just No, I, I'm not going to shit on Cloverfield Paradox. I just don't think it's a very good yeah. movie. What I, have, what I have read in the last 24 hours um, is kind of incredible. Uh, with people saying, you know, oh, worst movie of the year, and not like all this stuff already. I'm like, I need people to start to quantify what what makes a movie the worst movie of the year. Right, and it kind of kind of falls. It certainly ain't this. Yeah, it, it kind of falls into something you've said once before, like like when we were talking about. I, I think it was specifically when people were talking about Ouija, and you you were basically saying, you know, it's not the worst horror movie of the year, you know, because it's still well shot. It's you know, 
you know, you know, some of the setups are pretty good. It's just boring, and you know, the characters aren't really likable. So it's not the worst movie that's been made because someone has actually, someone with technical skill has put together the movie. What has failed that movie is the script and the actors. Yeah, and I don't, I actually don't think the acting is the problem in Cloverfield Paradox. The acting, the the, the the people that are credited working it are are interesting actors to mm-hmm. me. So, so what I come back to is, what do people quantify as being a reason for? being like the worst movie i cut i'll quote a conversation i had with uh with andy blockley last night and andy blockley may or may not have uh found um an illegal copy of the new hellraiser movie which is out there in the ether uh, and he watched it and his exact words to me were you're not going to like this movie and I was like, oh, right, right. well, I, I, I like so few of the Hellraiser movies by now that that doesn't surprise me. He's like that. He's like, yeah, um, the the story's not great. It kind of feels cheap. Um, the acting's bad. Um, but the special effects are good. I think it's easily the my, my fourth favourite. And with that, what... How does that work? So this is what this is. The, this is the this is the thing that doesn't work for me, Bo. As people are prepared to say that if good practical effects exist in the movie, that they can forgo absolutely everything else. So the acting can be shit, but the practice. This is the issue that I had with the void, right? This is the void issue all over again. Not a good story. N- no likable characters. In fact, not very good acting in that movie at all. Not greatly shot. Kind of ripped off a lot of movies that I really like. Everyone, right, Dean Cundy should get a check every time someone watches the movie. <laughs> yeah, totally. But all I kept hearing about was, yeah, but the practical effects are good. Practical effects do not make a great movie. They, they right. are a tool to enhance a great movie, but they do not make a great movie. And right. I, I don't understand that mentality. And that's what I've been reading. A lot of people just got that, you know, there's too much CGI or, you know, uh, it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't tie in. This is my favorite one. Uh, it, does, it doesn't tie into the first Cloverfield movie. I'm like, well, neither did 10 Cloverfield Lane. It, 100%. Uh, anyway, uh, that's stupid, first of all, because they make it very clear how this movie explains any Cloverfield movie that will ever happen. Oh, right. I like that then. So, eh, I, to me, it felt a little lazy as an explanation. Like, I'm not, I, again, I don't want to spoil it too much. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the movie, again, it's competently done. It's, you know, it, it sets, it sets things up in the plot and things are in motion and it pays all that stuff off. Mm. And, um, there's my big problem with the film is that it is such a clear, um, like ancestor of movies like alien and event horizon and like it, it, it's borrowing fairly liberally from those types of films. But the problem is that it never, it never feels consistent in what the threat is. Right. And, and as a result of that, I'm trying to talk my way around this, so I don't give anything away, but as a result of that, there, there are moments where stuff happens and I'm like, Oh, is this the beginning of something? And it's not, it's just mm-hmm. like, oh, here's a thing that happens. And then here's another thing that happens. But none of it really 
adds up to an overarching threat. Right. You know? Um, and that, and it's just hard for the movie not to have a villain. Like in Cloverfield, it was clearly the monster. And in 10 Cloverfield Lane, it was aliens and, or John Goodman. Yeah. And in this movie, it's sort of like, uh, I don't know, time stuff. <laughs> and <laughs> weird shit. Here's what I here's what I I like about what they're once again having not seen this but being a big fan of Cloverfield. I loved that movie when it came out, and I love it even more now. Um, I think that movie's super strong, and I genuinely think it's is held the test of time when a lot of found footage movies have not held up. I think Cloverfield holds it really well because what's happening in the background is really incidental. To, you know, it's just the backdrop. That that's why you don't get to see the creature until right at the very end. Is because it's the backdrop to one guy trying to find his love in a city that's under siege. It's, he's putting you at ground level at any Godzilla attack. You know, what I mean, this is this is the story we're going to follow, and we're going to do it using handheld cameras and all the rest. And I once again, I heard lots of people say that they didn't like Ten Cloverfield Lane, and I don't know what movie they were watching because that movie was fucking great. And it's like, oh, I don't like the end. Yeah, I go back and forth on the ending, but... I love the ending. I think eh. the ending is totally paid off. It, 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 to me, it totally, totally works. Everything about that ending is earned and justified. Um, but even though I, I don't really care for the ending of that movie that much, mm. I, I, there's a point that I wish it had ended and it keeps going. Right. And, it's probably uh, but, the bet they put on afterwards, in fairness. In fairness, probably so. Uh, but at the same time, the journey of that film is so good and creepy and intense. Oh, yeah. Then I'm like, yeah, it, it doesn't end well, but it's still worth watching for sure. And I really like it. Yeah. Um, and, and, and Cloverfield Paradox is close. It, it's close to that. Like I said, it's a competently made film. It just ends up taking forever to get started. Yeah. And then once it does, like I said, I felt like nothing added up too much mm-hmm. in that in in the movie um and oh. and the other problem i have with it is that actually two other problems i have with it one problem <laughs> and another thing um <laughs> i don't uh chris o'dowd is in it yeah from uh it crowd and a number of other things mm-hmm. and um he is obviously the comic relief in the film, but none of his lines are funny. And and he's a funny guy. It's not that he's not a good comic actor. He's a great comic actor. Mm-hmm. Again, it's just the script is, isn't very funny. And also the movie is so somber. It would be like if you had a super jokey character in Event Horizon. Yeah. And it's like, eh, I don't know that that's right for the tone of this film. You mean you didn't and, find Sam Neill the super jokey character in Event Horizon? In as much as there was one, yes. Uh, he is by far the 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 biggest trickster uh, of that film. But uh, <laughs> where we're going... Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, after careful consideration, I've decided not to endorse your Event Horizon. Uh, yeah i mean it's that kind of shit and there's a thing that happens to him that's really goofy and crosses the line from goofy to 
that's fucking stupid. <laughs> and when that happened, I was like, eh, I don't think this is very good. Mm. And then, it, but, and all right, here's the other problem I, I have with the movie is that there's another movie happening while the space station shit is going on. Mm-hmm. And that is way more of an interesting movie. Well, that may be the next one you're getting, because the fourth one's filmed. Okay, maybe so. Maybe it's that story, because that's what I want to see. Yeah, the fourth one deals with a war, I believe. Uh, right, okay. That you're thinking. All I know is the fourth one is it's finished shooting. They've already got it done, um, and it relates somehow to because you know how they're very sketchy with details for these. It's something to do with a war. Yeah, well, there's uh, the whole, this whole movie is taking place in a context where the world is on the verge of war. So if they're playing off of that, it may be so, you, you'll see it, I'm sure. And I, again, I don't want to give anything I'll more see it before away, but the that's week, established yeah. in the first five minutes. I'll see so it before not... before the week's out. I, I, what, I, what I like, and this, I think maybe this is the bit that I come back to, is that what I love about Cloverfield as a concept as how they are dealing with it as a concept. And each movie feels like, or sounds like, regardless whether we like it or not, is trying to do something different with each movie. So that first one is a found footage, ostensibly monster horror movie. Yeah, it's a a found footage kaiju film. Yeah, the second movie is, yeah, there's a bit tagged on the end, which kind of links it to the Cloverfield universe to an extent. But that second movie is just a really interesting thriller about what what would happen if you were trapped with a, a person who claims to have rescued you and the longer you spend with them the more you start to suspect him of being like a child murderer <laughs> you know what i mean um right. you know at what at what point at what point do you 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 try and escape or whatever when you are at first you don't believe what he says and then you see clear evidence that there is something keeping, you know, there is something, what he's talking about out in the, the real world is actually there to an extent. So, and I love that idea. And then when they said the third movie was a, you know, kind of space sci-fi horror movie, whatever, I was like, all right, so that's completely different again. And and the fourth one sounds like it's going to be completely different again. I love that idea. I think that there's, there is room for, for a franchise to have like this blanket, it's like Black Mirror to have this blanket thing that covers everything, but each movie tackles something different. And you will, like, I, I've read people defend it. X from Kiss the Goat posted on Facebook today that he really enjoyed the new Cloverfield movie, thought it was great. So th- there are people out there that like it, there are people out there that don't like it, there were people out there that didn't like Cloverfield Lane. I loved it. I know plenty of people that think Cloverfield is a bad movie, you know, just did not like it at all. Um, and, and that's right, I kind of like that these movies are trying something different and going at a different audience. Now, there's a very good chance I'll sit and watch it, Bo, and I'll be like you, I'll be like that. Mm, this is should have been written better. Um, you know what I mean? This guy should be funnier. Um, or, you know, I, I don't understand what we're doing or why is it taking so long. But I think that what we always say is the one of the biggest crimes when looking at a franchise is what could have happened if Halloween 3 had been more successful. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The pop- and I, I'm on. I'm. I'm totally on board with you that I like. Like, I'll see another Cloverfield movie. Yeah. You know, just because I wasn't crazy about this one, I like the first two. 
this one was a bit of a down note for me, but I, I respect the fact that they were like, like you said, like, what if we just do fucking sci-fi horror in space? Yeah. And okay, let's give it a whirl. Let's see how that goes. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You know, right. Let's see what the next one is. Yeah, exactly. We just move on to the next project and Halloween. Unfortunately, could have had that um, if people had have just gotten over the fact that Michael Myers wasn't in it. But, but and but the thing is, though, I hear the same fucking argument being used against Cloverfield. You know, it's not, you know, and I, once again, I hope it does. But I hope it doesn't explain too much because I don't really want that explanation at the end of it, Cloverfield. I think maybe that's one of the problems too. Is that it? It doesn't bend over backwards to do it, yeah. but. It it does explain it in a way that I wasn't crazy about. Yeah, I don't want to. But we'll know talk where, about it when when you've seen it. I don't want to know where the Cloverfield creature comes from at all. I, I don't want to know that. I don't want to know if the aliens at the end of the second movie um, are related to that event. Don't care. Don't care at all. Just give me these one-off stories uh, and lump it as you know. This is all the same universe. This is the Cloverfield universe, and I'm happy with that. And take it in directions that sometimes I'll like it. Sometimes I won't like it. I, I will happily, like you say, I'll happily sit down and experience what they're doing because I just like the idea that people are out there just making movies and trying to like trying to create a mythology but not doing it by doing the same movie over and over and over again. We've got plenty of franchises that do that. Um, I, I will come back. I get a feeling that we'll be talking about this next week. I got to yeah, yeah, well, I've seen it by then. I'll, I'll be very curious to hear your thoughts on it, and uh, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to poison the well on that movie for you or anything. And and maybe well, not, it'll be good. Not, in fairness, you know, like d- let me manage your expectations a little bit, and then go into it. And like I said, man, it looks like a for realsies big budget movie. It, yeah, well, there was money in good. this. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. money in this, and it would have been it would have been in all theaters if the, the Paramount head hadn't changed. So it was all set to go out in April, and they've just recently changed. Their, I believe their studio head changed at the start of the year and he has dropped I want to say about three or four movies that were getting cinematic runs including the new movie by the director of uh, It's Machina No shit. Yeah, that's, oh is that uh, Annihilation? Yeah yeah he's dropped that yeah, yeah. It's, not getting, it's not getting any and I mean that was, a, that, was a, a, that you know that previous movie was to say critically acclaimed is an understatement you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it was, and I think fans liked it too. Like, I don't know anyone who saw it and didn't think it was. I thought good. it was fucking great. I thought it was yeah. a, an, an amazing movie, and all the advanced stuff that's been circulating about this movie has been hugely positive. But they just decided that Paramount are not putting it out. So, so I, I, is that indicative of a new studio head that isn't really interested in genre stuff? Um, and I, I would think to myself, in a year like 2017 where genre stuff was the one that was making money why but it seems like they probably made a good call here it seems like netflix did the smartest move in the history of streaming because that that could you get a better bit of marketing than to drop a trailer for a movie during a sports match and then literally say oh by the way you can watch that movie right after that sports match when people are already wired up they've had some drinks they've got their netflix ready um, and put, like I woke up to uh, I woke up to a notification on my mobile phone saying Netflix has added a new title. Clicked clicked in, 
holy shit, the new Cloverfield movie. I then sent, <laughs> right. like, I literally sent, that's when I sent you that message going, what the fuck? Like that. I went on Facebook and my Facebook feed was full of people that had watched the fucking movie. That's insane. I go to bed, I go to sleep, I wake up, not only has a movie dropped, but everyone's seen it. Um, and I was, I just think that's, I think that's rad as fuck, man. I think that's so, so cool. And I think Netflix, even if Netflix thought the movie was kind of shitty, they marketed in a way which is genius. You've got to give them credit. And I love the fact that, once again, it fit that whole, the, 10 Cloverfield Lane, the first anyone knew about that movie was a month before when the trailers came out. Cloverfield, when it came out, the first anyone knew about that movie was about a month and a half before that movie came out with the viral uh, marketing campaign and the websites and all the rest. Keep doing that. The less I know about these movies, the better. Just give me the, serve the movie up to me. Um, and, and a platform that I can go and see, whether it's at the cinema or it's on Netflix or wherever, I will check out those movies. And if I like them, that's a fucking bonus. But I, just the excitement I had when I, and it was like Christmas morning. <laughs> okay, I was like, what the what fucking black magic is this? Just great. Like, just, I, yeah. I, I, I couldn't wait to tell people about it. And then I started reading the negative reviews. And if anything, even what you're saying, you've actually made me slightly more optimistic to watch it, even though you're saying it's not a great movie. Because I have read so much negativity about the movie that it's why I'd like, I've got other things I've watched, like in the interim. It's why I didn't jump right into it. Because I was like, that I'm already set up for an expectation that I don't really want to have you know what i mean i i, I want to go into that movie as cold as possible um uh, what's your what's your good what's your good uh i want to talk about mom and dad <laughs> yeah uh here's another movie that i think is flawed but but in it, unlike cloverfield paradox the flaws that uh, that i find in mom and dad aren't enough to drag it down right because when it goes to the places it does, it it lands it. Mm-hmm. You know, like here here's my overarching problem with mom and dad is that Nicolas Cage's performance is a little too on the edge already. Mm-hmm. That I I need him to be a little more normal so that when he does go bananas in that movie. It, it's the release that you've been waiting for. And, you know, it's a choice by the director and by Cage, uh, or both, or maybe just Cage, who knows. <laughs> um, but it, it, he's a little too dangerous before there's this whole virus to give the movie an excuse to have parents kill their children. Um, but... Uh, the, like the scene in particular I'm thinking of is the one where he's um, having a beer with his kid mm-hmm. and he's like, you know, and he tells him the story about crashing uh, his father's car and uh, all that stuff. And is like, you know, it's, it, it's okay. But seriously, if you ever touch that car again, I'll kill you. And then they both start laughing, which is where the scene ought to end. Mm hmm. And instead, Nicolas Cage stops laughing and gives him a look like, no, I'm serious. And in a way that's like, well, you're not infected by nothing. You're just an asshole um, like who wants to kill your, your child. But maybe he's just an asshole. Maybe so, but it's like I felt the theme of the film 
was that every parent has within them, every, every parent and every spouse, you know, has that part of them that is somewhat resentful for the life that they have. That, you know, they look at younger people or whatever and say, and seem going out and having a great time and their bodies holding together. And like, like I think Selma Blair's character is far more well realized in the film. Selma Blair has of, not aged since Cruel Intentions. And I want to know yeah. what, is she bathing in blood? <laughs> I want to know what she's done that she has not aged in fucking 25 years. But. <laughs> Yeah, but I think her character is, is great in the film. And when she really lets loose, like, there's something really cold and calculating about her psychopathy yeah. that I really get behind more so than... But but I also, like, I like the fact that Cage just goes bananas. But see, that's the dynamic I really like. I, I, I see... Yeah, I do too. I think... I just don't want it until they're infected. Yeah, see, I, I, I think, to me... I, I just I never got hung up on that. I know what, I know what you're saying, but I don't want to see Cage playing a a caring, considerate dad. I, I, he can't do it. Watch Connier, like he's he's incapable. Burn the banner down. He can't do it, bro. Right? He's incapable of doing that. I want Rage Cage all the time, and I want Rage Cage to have a second gear, and that's what they give him in this movie. Like, yeah, I, I, I kind of love it. He's just an asshole. He's, he's, he's an absolute asshole who is suffering the worst midlife crisis, and we are plonked right at that time, and it just so happens he's suffering the worst midlife crisis right at the same point that this infection like starts hitting these parents or whatever happens, this reprogramming, there's, there's something in the air or something in the water or whatever it is, hits him. I'm totally fine with that. I'm totally fine with that. He, he has a, a case of Jack Nicholson in The Shining, like that, like from the moment I meet him, I'm like, there's <laughs> right. already something slightly unhinged about you. I don't think you're a safe person. Um, so when he really starts to go over the top, and I love how like Selma Blair is just like she is that she is the brains in that relationship. And looking at them, like the first time I meet them before they're infected, I still think she is the brains in that relationship. Um I, I think it is so entertaining. I, when when he actually calls out, I, like, I won't spoil what's going on, but when he actually calls out, like, honey, this really is a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is a super funny moment in the film. It's so um, entertaining. It, it is it, it's that, ridiculously entertaining. It knows exactly what it's going for, and I think it delivers it really, really well. And there are moments in this one that you know the director was just like that, just keep the camera rolling. <laughs> like, like, see when Nicolas yeah. Cage like builds a pool table and then <laughs> dismantles it with a sledgehammer. You know that that scene maybe had one or two sledgehammer crashes, and then we cut to a new scene, and the director was like, J "Just let him go. Just let him go. Just yeah, yeah. let it happen. <laughs> just let it happen. Just, like, just, like, have you never seen the Wicker Man remake? It's the bees all over again. Just watch. Just watch. And he just he fucking goes to that scene goes on." uncomfortably longer than it should um, and ends in a surprisingly good place like by the end of that scene i was like that scene actually turned out kind of nice yeah i think which is weird I, but it's a testament that nicholas cage is legitimately a good actor yeah when there's somebody to rein him in yeah and and i i wish the director uh i i can't remember his name now but um I wish there had been a little more discipline in that performance early on. Right. But again, it's a minor quibble, I know. It's just a thing that bothers me. 
Um, and I think some of the editing is a little, a little smushy it's, it's, in some of. I don't think the budget was great. Uh, to be honest with you, I think there's yeah, there's yeah, but that it doesn't that whole sequence it, with the thing in the car. Yeah, there were a bunch of points where it was like, wait, is this a flashback yeah. or? Are we back? And that's just edited. Yeah, that's, you know yeah. that that's poorly edited. Yeah, I, um, but when Lance Henriksen shows up, like I right. over the fucking right. moon, I was like, ah, yeah, this is this is the the fucking frosting on top of the muffin bowl. Uh, like when he <laughs> it certainly when is. he fucking shows up, I'm like that. that like because I didn't even know he was in the movie like that. And like but, when I was watching, they come they come through the door, and I was like that. Oh, you sweet son of a bitch. <laughs> Well, I, I remember seeing his name in the credits. I was like, you yeah, was like, oh, Lance Henriksen is in this? Okay, great. And then uh, I forgot because he's not in the movie, most of the movie. And then uh, then he shows up. I'm like, right, Lance Henriksen is in this. And he's fucking great. And, and he's fantastic. That whole sequence is really funny. And Yeah, I, um, a surprise, like, I knew nothing about Mom and Dad had heard nothing about it at all. It dropped... And I'm like that. Oh, Cage has got two movies out this year that are both a genre. I can't wait to check it, Mom and Dad. And I watched, and I was like that. That to me, it, it might be my favorite horror movie of the year thus far. I, I know we're still early in it, uh, and I've not seen many horror movies this year that are 2018 horror movies. Um, but I, I think it's leading the pack at the moment. It might not take too much to topple it over, but I'm kind of glad that it is. Uh, because it's it's just so much fun. I can't remember the last time I just sat down, shoved on a horror movie, and just had a blast from start to finish. By how fucking absurd that is! Yeah, I'm looking at the list of stuff I've seen this year, and I'm like, that probably is the best horror movie yeah. I've seen this year. But it ain't gonna be there long. Oh no, there's like, so much there's, stuff to come out. Th- right, like this is. <laughs> This is a runner-up. This is an honorable mention of a horror movie. If ever I saw one yeah. for me, if this, if this, <laughs> if this can, if this can stay in my top twenty for the year, I will be over the moon. Okay, yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd be happy I mean, if it was at twenty or nineteen. I'd be over the moon because I oh. kind of feel like I want to talk about it at the end of the year, just as a way to say, yeah, that movie that was fun, right? I've seen a lot of scary things, or I've seen a lot of you know hard hitting dramas or art house horror movies, but that time that I sat down and watched Mom and Dad was a fucking blast. Yeah, it, it was a really good time for sure, and and I think that's what that movie wanted to be and that's what it was and nicholas cage walk around with a maniacal smile on his face with that cutter toy thing cutter tool like the sawzall oh sawzall 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 like just fuck watching that going this movie is fucking bonkers yeah the moment he sees his kid yeah for the first time like when he comes home early the the first time when he just breaks into a run sprint (laughs) Uh-huh, of just like, I'm about to kill this little motherfucker. Uh, that was genuinely oh, so creepy many, and funny. And there's so that. many one-shot scenes in this, like when they come back and the, the, the maid's cleaning up the bloodstain from our obviously slaughtered infant child. It's just like, what is this movie doing? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it's uh, your description of it as reverse cooties is probably the most apt. Yeah, it, it's got that same kind of tone and dark sense of humor. Yeah, uh, but I would I would say it's probably more successful. I than think cooties. I think I think cooties just overstays too long. The premise yeah. stays a bit too long. That movie you take maybe fifteen minutes out. I think that movie works a lot better 
than you know what you actually get. I think Mum and Dad's perfect length. It's a breeze watch, man. That movie fucking flies in. It reminds me of movie, recent movies like uh, Better Watch Out and The Babysitter. Exactly. Of yeah. those like like 85 to 90 minute kind of high concept films mm. that are just like, we're going to get in, we, we, we do what we do, and we get the fuck out, and everybody has a good time. And I'm just going to say, I'm going to go on record just now to say, I am a fan of that. Like, uh, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, g- give I me mean, those either- movies, I will have, I love the high concept, I love, you know, longer movies, I love Art House and all the rest, but there is something to be said for sitting down, knowing fine well that you only have an hour and 20 minutes with this movie, and they're going to just throw everything at the fucking wall, so... But but that's I mean it, in a lot of ways it feels like the the resurgence of that eighties horror yeah. of like here's kind of a crazy idea we're gonna go a little bananas with it and and, and it's gonna be a little comical but kind of gross and and everybody's gonna have a blast and you'll be in and out of this in ninety minutes. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's, it, the it, way it, I describe I it is it's like Night of the Creeps. You sit down and watch Night of the Creeps and it is. That movie, every time I've ever watched that movie, and I've seen many, many, many times, still flies in for me. Like it's just like a yeah. I, that movie moves at a fucking tear, and it's in and out. Does exactly what it needs to do. Doesn't stay any longer than it needs to. Um, I, yeah, if, if if we're getting a kind of resurgence in that sort of style, and you're right, you can track that through things like definitely the babysitter, and definitely better watch out. Um, yeah, give me more of that. I think there is plenty of room. For that just now, um, I, I just do that. Don't don't spend too long trying to deliver a story. Just give us a story. Yeah, and I mean we're still getting the highbrow stuff. Like a, a quiet place looks like it, it's going for something much oh, yes. more intense and serious. Mm-hmm. And hereditary certainly sounds like that's going for a very different kind of ghost thing. stories as well. Looks that trailer looks fucking great. Yeah, I get to see that. Yeah, I'll, I'll see that at Glasgow Fright Fest. Um, end of this month. I'll get to see it a full month and a half before it comes out, and I can't fucking wait. Right, and Tragedy Girls hasn't hit here yet. It's, it comes out, um, and I've heard great things about that movie as well from its festival run. It comes out end of the month here. I think it gets uh, yeah, physical release yeah. in the UK, so I can't wait to check that one out because the concept alone has me hooked. I think it seems like a great concept for a movie, so can't wait. I, you know what? I don't really need, fully know the premise. Oh, right. Well, even I think I've just like, heard it's really good. And I'm, you know, I, I, I talked about this last night, but um, that's kind of been my, my new thing, mm-hmm. or I'm trying to, where it's just like, oh, I heard that was good. Okay. I'm going to put that on the list and, you know, I'll keep an eye on when it's coming out. But I don't want to see the trailers because trailers just tend to give, give me too much. Yeah. And uh, so. You know, we'll see how long it lasts. I will say, uh, I will say, there is a contingent of people out there that seem to think that trailers give away too much now, and they never in the past. You check any trailer for a movie that came out in 1970; they're like three minutes fucking long, and the, the narration yeah. tells you the plot. Right, and I'm not, I'm not being old man Bo about this one. It, it like, I'm not trying to say that back in my day, <laughs> you know. Uh, Trailers were creepy and mysterious, and that's all. That's all you ever got. If, if, if somebody tried to give you a detail, you kicked them in the shin. 
um, we can see this as well. Like talking about things coming out this year, I dropped you because we'll get to this episode. We we need to have a bit of chat at the start and and do the stuff we're doing because I have a pseudonym for you, which is going to make you millions. Um, oh right, yeah, we're, I almost forgot about this. Get... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mom and dad is good. So mom and dad's good, but um, I did find out this week that Peter Strickland, the guy who. I love who did Barbarian Sims Studio, which I think is a fucking amazing movie. Did a little movie called The Duke of Bur- Burgundy, which me and Bo both did in this movie. And it's safe to say we're wowed by that movie. I, uh, yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah, and he's he's next movie, he's re- he's returning back to to kind of Italian inspired horror. Uh and I think it's called In Fabric. And the the descriptions I have heard uh thus far are you know he's he's uh, he's been watching a lot of Bava, um, and the build up to it, and in particular things like Blood Blood and Black Lace and stuff, uh, like Hatchet for the Honeymoon. And... Yeah, that sort of shit. Is that Bava? Yes, Bava yeah, as well. Right. Yeah, Hatchet for the Honeymoon. Um, and I'm learning. You are learning. Look at you go. I'm really interested to see what you make of White of the Eye when you watch it because it is a it's a Jalo movie, but it's made by a Scotsman living in America, so. <laughs> As you did. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to watching it. I'm. Uh, um, I, I was talking up the other day how much uh, I wanted to do my own Giallo film, mm-hmm. which I'm calling Three Tears on a Gray Goose. <laughs> Beginning of my animal trilogy. I hear Grey Goose and I just think vodka, and I think that speaks to the Scot in me. <laughs> it's like, it should, yeah, alcohol, it's just about though. a bad... It's just about a bad night of drinking. The, the, um, the three tears are me shedding when I realize the bottle was empty. Uh, uh-huh. So, but, yes, in fact. Oh, and then you fight the bottle. Yeah, eat it. How dare you be empty? And, <laughs> not entirely sure what century I'm being placed here. I don't know. <laughs> but, it's a far, far better thing that I do uh, than but, I have ever done. But they do, uh, like, so, yeah, so he's doing. But not only was he, like, uh, while he was making it in fabric you know, watching a lot of Bava, but he was listening to nothing but scores from Jallo movies that were playing while they were filming. And I just think, yeah, that's what I want from Peter Strickland to me has a, a way of capturing like an aesthetic and a time in these movies, which feels wholly original, well, not wholly original, but feels wholly authentic. And yeah, give me, give me that movie. I, I can't fucking wait. So I, that's, I think it's the end of this year. It's coming out. Um, and I, yeah, I'm I'm 100 on board for that. I ca- cannot wait. That's going to be one of those ones where, you know, just off the pedigree of this director, in my eyes, anyway. I, I know I like a lot more um, that than 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 you do of his overall filmography. Although I think you still see his first movie, which is a rape revenge movie. Yeah, I haven't seen which that. Which is really, 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 really good. Um, so yeah, like for his pedigree, I'm like that. You know, this movie could already be top five material for me. I'm not even seen it. You know, like he's he's tickling all the sweet spots for me. He's like that. Yeah, I'm doing a movie which is kind of like a jalo. I'm like, oh <laughs> yes, please. Right, your pseudonym. Right, so you need to set this up again because I think we did mention this a while ago. Um, but you need to set up the full story again, but condense it. Okay. So, uh, the earth begins to cool, Duncan. Um, no. Son of a bitch. Uh, so, v- very quickly, it is uh, a, a potential deal between me and a church in Los Angeles that wants to produce a script that I wrote a long time ago. 
and uh, just by nature of their budgetary constraints, the arrangement has to be that essentially I serve as producer of the film and the writing credit goes to a pseudonym of my making. Mm. Does that sound uh, succinct enough? It it does indeed. And Mings is is not even all that comical. It's just practical, right? Let me me kick up a, a little practicality for you. If you want to meet millions, right, as anything to do, church involvement at all, you just call yourself Mel Gibson, bro. <laughs> That's it. You are Mel Gibson. I all right. That's funny, but let me let me give uh, you. My original um, one was I thought you should call yourself Christopher Cross. Um, that's and shot it into Chris. A Cross. little too famous. A little too famous. I, feel I had like. I had a religious education teacher called Chris Cross. Uh, we had both a rap band and uh, a guy who sang the song "Sailing." Not Paul McCartney. No, that's Christopher Cross. Paul McCartney. Nah. Um, <laughs> but I was thinking of Del Mibble. No. <laughs> Fucking terrible. What? Why? It makes you... It, it, makes you, it sounds like how someone drinks juice with a straw after they've had like a dental appointment where they've had their mouth numbed. But... It would be my my not so subtle nod to Twin Peaks. I, I get, it, but it's a not a great name. If you want a not so subtle nod to Twin Peaks, you call yourself Jerry Horn. That's not bad, actually. There you go. Huh. All right, maybe so. Or, or what do, what, like you, you go for you go for references and things you love without it being like full on what like uh, like Jackie Treehorn, which is the porn director in Big Lebowski. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good too. I, again, I, I'm trying to be good about this. Like, I don't want to. What's it? What's the name? You know. What's the name of the the villain in um, Blood Simple? Oh shit! The Emmett Walsh. Character? Yeah. What's his name? Uh, hold on. I will tell you in two quick seconds. I have to look it up. <laughs> I I ain't that smart. Um, it was Lauren Visser. There you go. Lauren Visser, that's your name. Visser, yeah. <laughs> Actually, Dan Hidea's character is pretty good too. His name was Julian Marty. Yeah, that's the like Corn Brothers is yeah. just a gold mine for fucking names of characters. Like any any Corn Brothers movie, just pick pick a character name from that. Yeah, that's a good idea. Also, it reminds me I should watch Blood Simple again. Blood Simple is amazing. So- and, um, we need a conversation at some point. Uh, and Blood Simple might be their best movie. It's it's real damn good. I, I don't. I think they've done better movies, but I just, it, it's in the conversation. Yeah, I, and I mean, I I, I can't even think of a Coen Brothers movie that I dislike. There's you know, different grades of what I think are like exquisite excellent movies to you know this is a really good movie or a really fun movie but blood simple i think maybe blood simple and uh no country for old men i think out of their entire back catalog are the ones that hold up best ah raising arizona makes me happy yeah but i, I think i think it's a great movie I, no one's disputing that i think raising arizona is in the top five of all time for sure but when you sit down and watch Blood Simple again, and then remember that's their first fucking movie, um, 
it's insane right. how good that movie is. It's insane. And it holds up. It, it's perfect. It's a yeah. perfect fucking movie. It is. It has the scene of Dan Hedaya crawling out of the grave mm-hmm. is one of the most haunting things I've ever seen in a film. Right. Like, when Emmett Walsh's hand goes through, you know, he's sort of reaching through that way, that is creepy and it's weird. Yeah. And then when the knife goes in it and you feel that pain, <laughs> it's just fucking such a creepy well, character. <laughs> like if I see him, <laughs> I'll tell him. It's pretty good, actually. It's oh man, he is amazing in that movie. He's a good actor. I really like him. Yeah, really like him. I, I mean, and it's it, honestly, it's probably my favorite MMA Walsh performance. It's totally like because it's against it's like kind of against typecast for him as well. Up to that point, I know he played sleazier characters after that, but to play the villain, and he doesn't start off as the villain. That's what I kind of love about it. It's kind of like there's elements when you watch a movie like No Country for Old Men. In particular, there are elements of refinement that have come from, you know, watching like watching Blood Simple. I think there there are elements where you see characters that morph out. Like you, I imagine that you know, uh, M. Walsh is like because when you first meet him, he's a fairly nice guy. But the more he gets, he's he's a little sleazy, but he's just a dude. Yeah, and the more he gets involved with it, the more he starts to bend the rules, the more sinister he becomes as a. As a character, I just love this idea that that's how he starts off, and then you jump forward twenty odd years, and then basically is the Javier Bardem character in No, <laughs> no Country for Old Men. He's just went for like like Stone Cold like fucking killer. Just I love it. I, I think I think yeah, the Coen Brothers, are, Coen Brothers, yeah, are fucking. But you need to watch it. The Criterion put out on Blu-ray. And if ever there was a time to pull the trigger on that Blu-ray bolt, now is the time. It's fucking great. Of Blood Simple? Yep. Oh, yeah, I've got that. Oh, yeah, well, break the, like, get it watched. <laughs> Don't record uh, with me. I mean, I, 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 it's just been a while. since. Yeah, right. I got to go, Duncan. We're, I'm about to watch Blood Simple. <laughs> we ought to do a commentary on that. I would do that in of a just... fucking second. All right, all right. We'll we'll figure that out. Maybe maybe in between X Files and Westworld, which is my next we'll point. That. Which is my next. So during Super Bowl, they dropped the trailer for season, the feature length trailer for season two of Westworld, and oh my dear God Almighty, it looks fucking amazing. Uh, it looks so good. Yeah, it, it. I did watch that trailer, and I was like, all right. <laughs> Uh, uh, I like robot cows. Yeah, that scene in particular is just fucking great. Like, just the whole setup, and I love the fact that we're getting certain characters back. Um, oh yeah, like uh, 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 what's her name? Uh, not Lily Sobieski. Um, oh, the who's yeah, the main one, the one that cracks the code. What's her name? Yeah, I can't think of her character's name. Anyway, I need to binge hey, we're not watch doing that. that show yet. I need to binge um, watch that show because that you remember that it's, it's almost two years since Westworld was on. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'll watch the last couple of episodes in preparation. But like that shot of her walking in, like she's the Neo of Robot Cows. <laughs> I was like, Neo. that looks pretty awesome. It's the name of our new prog rock album, the Neo of Robot Cows. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> you wait wait till you hear those organ solos. 
but yeah, it looks incredible. And we will officially have, I think I worked out, I think we have eight weeks between X-Files finishing and Westworld starting. So there's right. room for yeah, us so, to be up and do a commentary or something. would be pretty cool. Yeah, somewhere in there we'll do the Blood Simple commentary. And uh, people go blood simple. <laughs> uh, love that movie so much. It's so right, fucking right. good, man. It's so, so good. Okay, enough fucking around, oh, Duncan. Uh, let's fuck around with a break. <laughs> and when we come back, we will actually talk about uh, this divisive episode of The X-Files. Is it divisive? Uh, uh, we'll see. It could be. Well, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll find out. Uh, all right. We'll be right back. Hello? Who are you trying to reach? I don't know. Um, I think you've got the wrong number. Do I? I'm going to hang up. Wait, don't hang up. What's that noise? Popcorn? You're making popcorn? Uh-huh. I only eat popcorn when I listen to podcasts. I'm about to listen to a podcast. Oh, really? Which one? Probably the podcast on Haunted Hill. Is that the one with the two guys with the beards? Uh, yeah, Dan and Gav. Most episodes, they look at two different horror movies. Each episode, they look at a world of a strange, where they look at weird things from around the world. Sometimes, they even do special episodes where they look at different genres or directors' discographies and talk about them. Do you have a boyfriend? Maybe. So where can I find the podcast on Haunted Hill? Well, you can go to legionpodcast.com, Facebook, Twitter, or just go into iTunes and search for the podcast on Haunted Hill. So, are you going to ask me out? Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> you can't start off so serious after what we just discussed. <laughs> sure, I can. We can do anything. This is a podcast. Yeah. Um, so tonight's episode is uh, season eleven, episode five of the X Files, an episode entitled "Ghoulies." Oh, you got me right in the uh, ghoulies. Uh, oh, right. He's uh, the same he's, thing as it does over there. <laughs> I, I assume it means balls. It does. Well, your assumption was... See, every now and again when you assume you don't make a, an asset of you and me ball, you, 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 you're right. You get it right. Yeah. yeah. That's... Uh, Plato said that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, it is directed by James Wong. Yes. Uh, who is a long-time, you know, X-Files uh, director. Uh, has done some American Horror Story... Uh, was the producer of Final Destination 3, Duncan. Yeah, he was also the director of Final Destination, so... Yeah, yeah, and uh, the third. The, he did one and three. Yeah, so uh, some, but three ain't nothing to I was about, about to say, something happened in between one and three where quality control went right out the fucking window. <laughs> he also directed Dragon Ball Evolution. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs> and uh, it, this episode is co-written... Uh, by James Wong and uh, Chris Carter. Yeah, I get the feeling that Chris Carter's involvement in the entire script is the smoking man is in a scene. I get the feeling that's I, all he touched because the rest doesn't feel very Chris Carter. Right. I, I actually think it's a little more than that. I think James Wong had an idea for an episode that was kind of like Slender Man. All right. Yeah, yeah. And because there are elements of that in this, 
and then all of that sh- shit gets dropped right away to tell this other story. <laughs> you that's Chris Carter and I think, and I think the other right, Chris Carter was like, "Hey, you know, it'd be great. Uh, how about this be one of our mythology episodes?" And James Wong was like, "But I'm making this whole point about how like social media inserts." these new fears into our minds and like at the beginning of the show even we're talking about that chris Carter's like yeah yeah, yeah. uh <laughs> but how about this <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's like that guy from that that history channel thing where he's like aliens <laughs> right but what about aliens yeah yeah it, it's it's frustrating because there's an episode of the of the X-Files that I want to see that this almost is. Oh, right. Um, I think we are. This might be decisive. I did not hate this as much as you appear to have. I, I don't hate this episode. It's way better than, like, episode three. Yes, and one. It's it, Right. It's better than both of those, but it's still kind of a mess, I feel. Hmm. Um, it's a more entertaining mess and it, it's less irritating because Mulder's not a cold blooded murderer in this. Yeah, but who is who's Mulder in this episode? Like, once again, this Mulder is, like the is fucking uh, fifth incarnation of who Mulder is as a character. I can't keep up with it, honestly. Scully honestly, is <laughs> just didn't pay attention this time around, goddammit. Uh, yeah, I mean, no, seriously, like, he's there is nothing that happens in this episode because of Fox Mulder. Yeah. Like he is, he is just along for the ride. Yeah, and like, for this yeah, one. <laughs> Kick my feet up, goddamn it! You, you could see that. Just, <laughs> you could see that it is kind of uh, weirdly this the the Mulder's journey in this is very much the journey of an absent father in a pregnancy bowl. Very much so, uh, except he is less empathy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> All right, so the episode starts off in a way that I can get behind. Yeah, it starts off uh, with, with what we think might be sleep paralysis. And when I saw this, I was like, uh, it's a, oh, no, no, uh, no. Oh. That's not where we begin, Duncan. Oh, no, sorry. Yep, sorry. I've jumped. I have jumped ahead, Bull. We start off with. You have. Yeah, because I like the, the opening sequence to this, I was like, that, yay, another monster of the week. Yay. And I went, nope. Yes. <laughs> so it's two girls, one cup, one of whom. Uh, you're a hundred percent positive has been in a bad horror movie, mm-hmm. uh, which it turns out is the case. Has she? Oh no! Yeah, uh, <laughs> Sarah Jeffrey. Sarah. Uh, w- no, Sarah. No, no, no. It's not. Hold on. It's not Sarah Jeffrey. It's the other one. Madeline Arthur, the girl who plays Sarah Turner in this, was in a movie called Grace the Possession. I am sure that she. Will be overjoyed to listen to this back and hear her referred to as the other one. <laughs> I, I mean, a horror movie. I'll tell you, God damn it. Here's the shocking thing about this is that both of them are returning for episode 10. And I'm like, uh huh. Oh, no, don't uh, do that. <laughs> yeah. No. They are. No. So, so anyway. No. Duncan. No, Paul. So, fuck. I'm out. I'm out. That's us. We're done. This is being- yeah. Because you, once we get to the end of this episode, you know what that implies. What simple? Let's just and no. <laughs> ah, Scully. <laughs> Scully. <sighs> Mulder's gone. Blood simple. Yeah, just uh, thinking about your time. 
Chris Carter <laughs> writing the script, making things suck. Yeah. How about you make it the kid? Yeah. <laughs> I'll make the episode tons better. How about the kid is actually the the leader of the Dharma Institute from Lost? Kind of weird twist. It's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. It's a shared universe. Which is what they do in this but anyway, anyway, yes. Anyway, all right. So, so we start off with uh, two girls who could have been in the movie Ouija but weren't. Um, <laughs> or, or the movie Unfriended. But on, or Friend Request or, or hashtag any horror, of those movies. Or iHorror. Horror.com. <laughs> um, any, any movie that involves the internet, a web app, a cell phone, and a monster. Yeah. Uh, they could have been the star and or friend yeah, of the they, they could have been girl uh, one and girl two in the script. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they're both. It, it, but I, I we're making fun. But it is that that like oh, you're like seventeen and pretty, and you can kind of act. So let's be in a television. Yeah. Show. And anyway, so uh, we start off with these two girls uh, cutting between the two of them. They're not together. Mm-hmm. But they are both on board a ship uh, that's rusty and, and busted, uh, moored to the harbor. Yep, called the Crimea. Yes. Uh, no. No, it's not Crimea. Chimera. Chimera, sorry. Yeah, not Crimea. Crimea's like Crimea River, bro. Um... It, well, I, I know what a geography <laughs> buff you are. No, it's a ca- how how you're always itching to talk about the Crimean Peninsula. I constantly the- want to talk about it because it's under under discussed on any I, podcast. Forty minutes of every episode is just that that I have to edit. Every out. single fucking week, and every week I download the show, waiting to hear myself talk about, it, and then sit there and go, "Motherfucking runs those cow again." Right, I I got something to say. Yep. Uh, every uh, every Friday night, you can hear the screeching sound coming out of my house and echoing at least four miles in the sky in the surrounding area uh, of me going, "Damn you, boy!" Yeah, I hear it. I feel it. Good. I feel it in my bones. In my bones. Um, uh, but yeah, so, right, so, but, so, so, so on the, so, the Chimera, which um, yeah, uh, very famous. Chimera's Shakespeare, isn't it? Uh, I don't know if it should. I thought it was like Greek. Is it Greek? I thought it was shit. Yeah, because it's the monster with like the the body of a lion, the tail of a snake, like the wings of a chicken of the cave. (laughs) Chicken of the cave. (laughs) (laughs) The breath of an eagle, the eyes of a walrus. It's all kinds of things. (laughs) <laughs> and uh so they're hunting for uh ghoulie which is as i implied before sort of an internet meme if this is not developed at all and it doesn't matter so you don't have to remember it but um that's what it is they, there's a website that is like all about this ghoulie monster and they're they're going in search of it and independently of one another. And then one of them falls through the floor, Duncan. Yeah. And then everybody just starts knife fighting with monsters. Yeah. And, and it's like real chaotic editing and stuff. And it's like each of them are fighting what would be the ghoulie, uh, 
before college. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you can only say ghoulie so many times. Yeah, this creature, this creature looks like a cast off from Giver. It looks like one of the Giver monsters. It like if the Power Rangers showed up to fight it, it would not be a stunner. Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I always like the pink one. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so the scene ends when you realize that these two young ladies have just stabbed the shit out of each other. No. And, and are lying, bleeding beside one another. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we get the credits, which end with, you see what I want you to see. Uh, which is Chris Carter saying, forget about how the first part of this episode is a totally different thing. (laughs) And (laughs) James, get in here. I got an idea. Yes, Chris. How about I take the first seven pages of your script and then plaster it on this? Um, I've got, I've got, I've got an idea that'll enhance your script. Conspiracy with aliens. (laughs) You, you remember how we got that uh, kid that we're looking for? Oh, shit, I forgot about that. Yeah, 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 everyone else did, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we got to get back to that, and so we're going to put it in this episode. Yeah, but mine is a story about how, you know, internet monsters are made real by our own belief in them. Yeah, uh, fuck that. We're not doing that. <laughs> yeah, this is episode number five, which means we need to link it to the first episode. Or what are we even doing here, James? Right, I mean, have you been paying attention? We just did an outstanding episode. We're we gotta hit the brakes here a little bit. Uh, we don't want people to get crazy. So, um, so that when the show uh, begins, uh, post credits, um, Scully is in bed, um, and she is not like that. It's not sexy time. It's not uh, episode. What was it? Yeah, it was three when they do all the fucking. A whole hell of a lot of fucking. And then just even when we don't see it, there's implied fucking bow. Yeah, yeah. Multiple implied fucks. fucks. Which is why we had to give Mulder a whole different voice for that episode. Yeah, it's also why we had to change his name from Fucks Mulder to Fox Mulder. Yeah, oh, he's... (laughs) (laughs) Scully. You're so sensible. <laughs> um, and uh, so she is suffering from uh, hypnagogia, yeah. which is uh, otherwise known as sleep paralysis. She's saying, hey, you know, people think you're either awake or you're asleep, but that's bullshit. <laughs> There's a thing in between called hypnagogia. Yeah, I have to look this up straight away because I, I call bullshit on that word. Like When I heard it, I was like, oh, that's a made up word. And then it turns out it's not. So. Yeah, it's a real thing. Yeah. Sounds um, like it should be, though. Yeah, it, it sounds made up, and it sounds like bullshit because we've been getting fed so much of it this season Ooh. that it's like I have no trust. The X Files has become the Trump of shows, where it's like I don't even I don't even know what's real anymore. Um, that's unfair. That's so unfair. So unfair. Yeah, it's not. You're not that big a disaster. Uh, so, uh, but Mulder. Uh, or, or I'm sorry, Scully is um, having this vision where like somebody comes into the room and then she can move and she starts following him through 
this strange house. Yeah. Every time she leaves the house, she like, she opens the door to go outside. She steps right back into the same kind of landing area within the house. And this just repeats several times um, until she comes out of it. Yeah. And just kind of wakes up. Uh, and then goes to tell Mulder about it. And Mulder's like, yeah, sleep paralysis. Did you feel tingling? You know, did you did you hear like a hum? You know, all these things. And she's like, no, no, nothing like that. You know, I kind of chased the darkness. And he's like, ah, yeah, you're not supposed to chase that. You know, most people try to get away. Not Scully, Bo, not Scully. She was, she was, she was being led somewhere. Led. She felt like she was being led somewhere. Indeed, uh, and it was to a, a snow globe mm-hmm. with uh, a ship in it. Yep. Which we might recognize as the ship from the beginning of the episode. Yep, the Crimea. And the Crimea River. <laughs> Crimea River ship. By Justin T- Timberlake. Yeah, which is linking back to Morbid Mondays. What? Uh-huh. Uh, how dare he? Um <laughs> All right, Prince was great. <laughs> yeah, don't you guys think Prince uh, was great as well? Let me sing backup. <laughs> I it's so stupid. I I just it, it I it's still mind-boggling to me that Justin Timberlake sang backup at his own Super Bowl. Yeah, that, what what the, let's be honest, all those performances are kind of went downhill since Janet Jackson's nipple fell out. Well, honestly, Prince showed up speaking of and had a rocking Super Bowl halftime show. Was that post because he's fucking Was Prince. Was that post-Nipplegate? I thought so. I think so. Nipplegate's 2005. The only reason I know I that is because like... I was actually checking that last week for um, I, for yeah. educational purposes. Sure, of course. Uh, like, to learn what Jan Jackson's movie looks like. No, it's because I was... I, for some reason, I got into my head that it was a really good... I, I'll tell you what it is, boys. It links back to Super Bowl. Super Bowl released an advert for Doritos, which has Peter Dinklage walking along singing to Buster Rhymes, right? I'm with you so it's far. It's pretty fucking amazing, right? Also has Morgan Freeman um, advertising Mountain Dew Walking along, singing along to Missy Elliott, which is also pretty amazing. Uh, like, most, you know, lip syncing or whatever they call that shit. And um, anyway, the Peter Dinklage one, he happens to do Buster Rhymes, but it has to do one of Buster's more um, a, a vocally dexterous sort of performances. There's like a lot of words and not a lot of time to do it. And I, I was listening and I was like, that fucking used to love Buster Rhymes. I'm going to go back and listen to a lot of Buster Rhymes. So I started listening to a lot of Buster Rhymes and he had that song with Janet Jackson that came out in 1999, I think. And then I asked a simple question, like w- what has happened to Janet Jackson since, you know, like she was going on this big, since her brother died really, but what happened to Janet Jackson and did this song come out poster, uh, poster pre-Nipplegate? And then I had to find out what, you know, when Nipplegate happened and it was 2005. That nipple just fell right, right uh, Just fell. And Prince was Osa. Well, there you go. Prince redeemed it for a year. Yeah. Gaga was pretty so, amazing last year, if I'm honest. Oh, sure. Sure. Like, her performance was just fine. Um, and I like Justin Timberlake, like I said, uh, on the Morbid Mondays mm-hmm. thing. It's just that I thought it was kind of an ill-conceived uh, sort of thing. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. Do you anyway. think he had this really good idea and then he handed it to Chris Carter and Chris Carter's like, no, better idea. Back in vocals. All right. What if I take your Super Bowl show and I just put it on the front of Prince's Super Bowl show? <laughs> and you can sing. It makes backup. them both better, you right? You can sing backup, Justin. I know he's dead, but you right. can sing backup. Right. To a dead performer <laughs> that's. Better never than did a never did a duet with Prince, did you? It's, I can make it happen. Right, like a hologram? No, nothing that cool. We're just going to project it on a big yep, sheet. Bed sheet. That's yeah. what Prince would have wanted. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> he was. He's always wanting his music exploited. Yep. Um, every every chance he got, <laughs> signing up with labels, giving his music away, didn't care. Didn't care. Um, did not. Actually, he's man, like the story of his business ventures and and fight to get his his own likeness back and all that is fascinating. One like, of my favorite love him or yeah. hate him, man. He was one of my favorite all time Prince stories is uh, Kevin Smith and one of his stand ups talks about the year that he spent making a documentary on Prince that never made the light of day. I don't know if you've ever heard this, but as fucking incredible you'll be able to find it on youtube like kevin i have seen that yeah, yeah. like but when he talks about like <laughs> prince just deciding on a tuesday that he wants an elephant so they, they have to go and find him a fucking elephant because he's prince and no one's going to tell prince that he can't have an elephant at like five o'clock in the afternoon on a tuesday <laughs> and bringing an elephant into a city which is not climate sensitive for the elephant you know the elephant's fucking freezing but they're going to do it because prince wants it it's just kind of amazing i kind of love that about him is like he became he was his own he, he, like some people just exist in a different plane of existence and that's kind of where prince existed yeah yeah he, he was amazing he was like a, a music fair oh yeah there's there, there's that the, that video that's been doing the rounds this week of i think it's a rock and roll hall of fame and all those musicians are on stage playing all these famous musicians and then prince just comes out just to shred a guitar solo and it's the fucking sickest guitar solo you've ever heard it's fucking yeah. perfect oh i've been championing that for years man it's the greatest thing i'd ever oh, seen yeah, it just comes out of nowhere and just nails it and then fucks off <laughs> it's like prince out yeah, he throws his guitar up, and I'm not sure where it even yeah, goes. Yeah, it goes, it goes straight up into space, and he collects it later on. It's yeah, that oh, that is so it's great, a fucking amazing like, guitar. Just like it's, the thing is, though, it's fucking perfect. <laughs> it's just like yeah, nope. I'm I'm here just for the solo. I'm not I'm not here at the beginning of the song. I sure as fuck ain't sticking around for the yep. end of it. <laughs> I'm just here to do this. <laughs> And then I throw my guitar up because I've got no use for it anymore. It's done its job. It wailed. I love this idea that Prince only ever touched that guitar just to do that solo. Just that one time. Yes. And then never I, again. He, he practiced on it. Like the solo guy. It was that solo's guitar. Yeah. And then it was forever. Probably took to some yeah. some like grandmaster of musicianship and building instruments three years to build that guitar from from wood I, that can only be found on the south side of the Himalayas. <laughs> not a lot of people know that <laughs> Prince, uh, in fact, was taught how to play by a mutated giant rat. This is true. Uh, who taught him all he and, knew, as well as a fair amount of karate. Yes, yeah, with his uh, <laughs> his four brothers, Michelangelo, Donatello, Raphael, and Leonardo. 
and Prince. Yeah, and Prince. That was the that was <laughs> um uh, but Prince held on to the rights for his character, and that's why Michael Bay couldn't put it in his shitty movie. Yeah, but for many years he was in fact a hero uh in a yes, shell. Hero in a half uh, shell suit. <laughs> so all right, all right, let's suit. get back to this. <laughs> He's originally it was uh it wasn't Purple Rain, it was Purple Turtle <laughs> was the name of that song. <laughs> Purple Turtle. Yeah, like Purple Turtle. Like, like, Purple turtle. Like what people, what people don't know is Donatello's color wasn't actually purple until Prince left the outfit, uh, and then Donatello got purple before that. But he had like a fuchsia color, which wasn't very pleasant on the eyes. Yeah, it was kind of their nod to the lost brother. Yeah. Like I'm going to wear Prince's mask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous random thing ever oh, <laughs> i know i know i know you've been mutated baby <laughs> <laughs> oh dear uh one of his lesser known but awesome hits was turtle control oh, that's a good turtle song control is like my fave that is pure riding music bro that's that if you want to listen yeah. to something while doing the shagging that's the one Little Red Reporter Van, <laughs> also quite good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're stopping there. Uh, so, back in the episode where Prince isn't a Ninja Turtle and nothing is yeah, awesome. Now that you've set uh, that whole thing up, this episode fucking <laughs> sucks. So, um, Scully sees the the boat from her vision in a picture on uh, Mulder's desk, fortuitously mm-hmm. enough. And is like, hey, what the fuck is this boat? And he he's like, God damn it, that's rude. Don't don't talk to me like that. I'll snatch you bald headed, goddammit. Um and He's like, This is an open X file, and I'm like, so are we back working on the X Files? Why is the, why is it in pa- once again, why is it in paper form? Why is it on his desk? Where are we? Are you employed by the FBI? Will someone please acknowledge... They do later on in this episode at least acknowledge some of the questions we've been asking for the last four weeks, Bo. However, at the beginning of this episode, they're just grab-assing around in the office instead of looking for their kid who just happens to fall into their fucking lap in this episode, thankfully, but through no fault of their yeah, own. Yeah, they're just they're just shooting the shit, having a good time. It just so happens that Scully, maybe one of my minor gripes for this episode is Scully, usually the cool, calm, rational mind, just instantly believes that her dream of a shit and a fucking snow globe um, means that they need to do this case. I'm like, that yeah. really, Scully? Well, really? In fairness, I, I, I'll even defend the episode for that dumb thing because it. I think it shows or is intended to show that when it comes to her child, all reason goes. But she doesn't know it's about her child yet. I know. You're I just, like, know. see if that happened later on. I would be like, yes, Bo. I agree. Also. Hey, why does she... All right, we'll get to it. All right, well, we're right around the corner from another noodle scratcher for me. So, uh, Mulder is just like, all right. Noodle scratcher. 
sounds like a horrible, dry sort of snack that you have, which is just basically like freeze-dried ramen, <laughs> like in a bar. It's uh, <laughs> it's actually leftover Brillo pads mixed with shredded wheat. Mm. Makes you regular as shit, yeah, goddammit. cleans out your colon, leaves it shiny like a polo mint. You want to see your winker wink? <laughs> It's a whistling brown eye, bro. Whistling brown eye. Get yourself a bowl of Brimley's Best. (laughs) Don't put milk on it, goddammit. You eat it dry, like a man. (laughs) Brimley's Best is just as Brillo pads just shaped like shredded wheat. (laughs) Bite-sized Brillo pad. (laughs) One side is lightly sugared. Other side is whole business. (laughs) Size Brillo. <laughs> also good for tough dish stains. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, such a weird image. <laughs> if I stop and think about it, I'll just. This is why. This is why I, I grew gotta, the mustache because underneath that mustache. He's just badly scarred from when he was trying to chew up fucking shredded metal. His his lips are a wreck. <laughs> his tongue looks like the back of Ichi the Killer. <laughs> Can't walk through a fucking metal detector at an airport before it all gets set off. <laughs> <laughs> You are going to need a rectal exam to prove to him that the metal is in your colon. That is one side effect. Sorry about yep. that. Every now and again, there's a collection too much, and Brimley coughs up like a cat coughs up a furball. <laughs> Big fucking wad of flamey metal. <laughs> <laughs> While on my way to the world record for eating an entire goddamn train... <laughs> I start my days with Bramley's best. <laughs> I'm eating, I'm eating the the kitchen car, <laughs> luggage, caboose, the engine, the whole goddamn thing, going all through Bramley. <laughs> I eat trains and I shit segways. <laughs> I see last week when you did his toilet joke about him being in the toilet for 45 nine minutes I honestly I bit fucking wet myself at work when that come on I had to leave my desk and had to stand outside for about five minutes oh it's the greatest fucking thing ever there is something about Brimley being on a toilet that is instantly funny um, one time I passed an entire and working diesel engine god damn it <laughs> <laughs> That's where it stopped. Good lord. Um, oh, dear. <laughs> oh. Well, for fucking Brimley, man. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, you trot that one out whenever things aren't popping off in X Files. Um, 
So Mulder uh, is just like, all right, let's go, goddammit. And so he and uh, Scully head for, is it South Carolina that they're going? And uh, Fucking, yeah, why not? Whatever. <laughs> yeah, while they're driving along, though, Mulder realizes very quickly that since they got off the plane, the plane journey that we never see because they're just right in the car, um, they are being followed by what looks like two suspicious government vehicles. Oh, also, right before that happens, we're treated to uh, a car commercial yeah. where Scully connects to her Ford Expedition Wi-Fi. I was like, ugh, it's yeah. gross. Um, yeah, maybe maybe she is using the power of the internet to look at an Excel. No, 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 we're back to looking at them in paper copies. Right, I like, I don't know what she's doing with her iPad. I don't know what she's looking for other than yeah. the Wi-Fi signal nothing. of yeah, the they Ford. Yeah, they do fucking nothing with the like what the the spend and it is it's, it's horrible pr- product placement because the, the scene sets up fucking nothing shouldn't even it's different when someone opens like a bud light and then drinks from the bud light and puts it down at least they got a taste of the bud light she literally fucking uses her ipad to connect to the wi-fi in the car and it does nothing yeah it's real stupid um so then we get to the the crime scene duncan it's a crime spree that i'm on um <laughs> And oh wow, <laughs> they're uh, <laughs> they're checking out uh, the pools of blood, uh, where the girls uh, were what stabbed each other, mm-hmm. and um, Mulder is saying, like, well, who, who actually called this in? And uh, the you know, detective in the area, the local uh, police. Or like, ah, it was an anonymous nine one one call, um, and Scully says, "Hey, the way they stabbed each other, uh, these girls, it, it's like a, an intense emotional response." Uh, Mulder, it, the file says they don't know each other, but how how could they not? If you stab somebody like this, you know them. You're pissed off, and Mulder's like, "Well, I don't know. Goddamn it! Well, I look like <laughs> FBI." Um, yeah, like, wait one second. Is Scully the medical physician trying to tell Mulder the crack criminal profiler, um, you know, motive like psychological motive? That's not right. Yeah, Mulder seems conf- confounded by everything. Once again, who is Mulder in this episode? Mulder is a blank canvas, he is whatever <laughs> you want to project onto him in this episode because he doesn't do shit. Um, <laughs> he doesn't even comfort her later on. No, he like he doesn't. Uh, he quotes oh, Edgar yeah. Casey, and uh, like when they're in the car before the car commercial, he he quotes Edgar Casey is like, "Okay, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? Nothing. We're not going to talk about it anymore in this episode." Okay, it'd be so much better if he quoted Casey Kasem or Malcolm <laughs> X. Might have been interesting. Well, they do let it on, but he doesn't quote them. I, right. It would have been interesting, as a writer, Duncan, if the <laughs> father was quoting the same person that the son had this interest in. Yeah. If you tie something to something. But we're not concerned with that. So, no. um, another thing that bothers me <laughs> is when they're at the, the crime scene, uh, Scully sees James Wong. And 
which is always welcome. But then, mm-hmm. spoilers, we later learn that James Wong isn't really James Wong. He's uh, their son, William. William. Which begs the question, the fuck is William doing out there? Why is he's, he... He doesn't know Scully's in town. Yeah, but maybe he's, maybe he's there to make sure that the girls are okay. They've already said that they're in the hospital. He would know that. He's dating both of them. But he was... Remember, he was, he was there... To begin with, though, what, there when the two get, well, sure. You why, res- of- why return to the scene of the crime when the goddamn police are there? Maybe he's fucking with people. Right. All right. I will take that premise because he is a <laughs> shitty person. We find out over and over again in this episode. He, he, he is a seventeen-year-old who uh, is all hopped up on hormones, Bo, who happens to have found out that he has an extraterrestrial power that allows him to alter reality. Yeah, he's uh, a polygamist who was, as uh, the coroner points out in this episode, a millimeter away from a manslaughter charge at the very least. So point to, point to me, any seventeen-year-old isn't a polygamist. <laughs> But, oh, but, fucking but maybe all right, all right. we'll we'll get it I, I still don't understand why the fuck he's there but other than just to be like hey that guy i don't know who he is and nothing matters at this point mm-hmm. so that's the point where the the local sheriff this all comes from this ghoulie website mm-hmm. and it's you know like Mulder and scully look at each other and are like i don't know um and they genuinely shrug. It's pretty funny, and Mulder's just like, "Goddamn internet! All kinds of things on there. You can see anything you goddamn want on it." I, I went to Deviant Art. I had to scrub my eyes clean with a fresh bowl of Brimley's best. <laughs> Brimley's best. <laughs> and uh, but again, I'm thinking that's where Br- Br- Brimley was scarred. Brimley was scarred because Brimley had heard about this innocent video, which was about two girls sharing a, a teacup. And yeah, that's not what happened. Yeah, two girls, one cup. I, 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 I googled that thing. Heard heard nothing but good things about it. Heard it was, <laughs> it was sexy, and it turned out it was poo. <laughs> And there's nothing sexy about the rear. <laughs> also, it's a good way to get sepsis, goddammit. I know that from my, my turn in Korea. Korea. I know. Diarrhea. We all had it. It wasn't mud we were stepping in. It was the loose awful of a platoon of soldiers. Yeah, back back then you didn't have time to rush to the toilet. You just let it roll down your leg and out your pants leg at the bottom. Well, that's why they call it diarrhea. We had bombs going off all around us, including our pants. Goddammit! <laughs> um, this is just going south. But- it's just gone wrong. Uh, but yeah, so the website they know nothing about it called Gilly, and I I was like that. Oh, this is what this episode's about. Right, making reference to no. Stops here. Right. And, and like Mulder is like, well, the, you know, making this whole deal about, well, it's not the classic villains who had these emotional hooks and these are all just scary monsters. And, um, you know, Scully uh, offers the theory that, hey, maybe the website 
uh, is somehow responsible for this because they're they're using this as a promotion. They're getting these girls uh, to to do this stupid stunt or something. And but again, this is all kind of interesting because of like the Slender Man case that uh, was just resolved in the courts where, you know, two girls killed another girl because of Slender Man. And it's like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. well, you have two girls almost killing each other because of a website monster. I know where this is going. Mm-hmm. And and I'm on board. I think this is interesting. Like, what do you have to say? What comment do you have to make about that, uh, the, the, the sort of insidious way that a simple website story can actually result in the murder of someone? Yeah. Um, but it ain't about that. Don't worry, people. We're not talking about that anymore. In fact, I don't know that Ghoulie gets mentioned until the very end of this again. Yeah, pretty much. When they when they do a bit of searching on the kid's laptop, it comes back up. Yeah, and that's kind of it. So uh, we go to the hospital where we interview the girls uh, who could have been in uh, Annabelle. Uh, doesn't matter <laughs> what role, just in Annabelle. Um, They're going to be an Insidious Five, but I don't know if you know that. I'm sure they'll 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 call it the first key so that they can go back <laughs> doing a pre prequel, a prequel prequel. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so they're. You know, talking about this uh, vision that uh, one of the girls has had, and and Scully's like, I know that vision. I've had that vision, mm-hmm. um, and so it's you know a lot of back and forth where Mulder again doesn't like he's asking the girl questions. Like Scully's interviewing one, Mulder's interviewing the other, and. Um, he's asking her a bunch of questions, but there's no comment from him. It's like even the writers are like, I I have no idea how Fox would respond to any of this. It's uh, funny. It's funny you mention it. It's now making me think. Like, see, when you're saying like Mulder is absent in this this episode, he's even so far as being absent that when he goes to the coffee shop, he calls himself Bob. <laughs> right, and uh, th- <laughs> supposedly that's a big revelation later. It's like it's an alternate reality, and it's like, oh fuck you. Um, but, (laughs) (laughs) but it is like the one good gag. And I think in the, in the episode for me is when, um, when they set that up and she's like, why is he calling you Bob? And he's like, I I mean, do you want to explain the name Fox for the millionth time? And it's like, Oh, okay. That's funny. You know, that it feels like something Fox would do and say, uh, yes, it's a, a moment of legitimate character realization from an actor that has played someone for many, 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 many years. Yeah. Authenticity, which is a weird thing to say when dealing with season 11 of the X-Files. Yeah, some kind of attention to detail is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, any hoozles, uh, we, uh, we've, the, the one big takeaway from this scene is they're both dating the same guy, uh, yep. a guy as wholly named Jackson Vanderkamp, um, which is yeah. the whitest name that ever whited. Well, yeah, and the thing is, Vanderkamp's mentioned, and I'm like that, oh yeah, Vanderkamp, that name rings a bell because it was mentioned before by Mulder's brother, fucking Agent fucking Scarface. Um 
that, you know, their son William had been sent to live with a couple called the Vanderkamps. Right. And that was episode one of season 11. Um, which, in fairness, you have all right to have forgotten about because it was a bad episode. And plus, like, three seconds later, Mulder killed a man with a fucking scalpel. So, like... <laughs> yeah, so if you... And that shocked that little detail at your system. That's fine. Um, but yeah, I'm like that. Oh, Vanderkamps. Could this be William that they're on about, Bo? Their long-lost adopted child? Well, uh, clearly so, because, uh, you know, Scully is getting visions, which is what the whole first episode was about uh, of this season, where it's like, oh, that thing that happened at the end of last season was just a vision that my son is beaming into my brain. Why not? And well, you know, X Files, and at least at least they made an attempt to explain it out with she fell over, right? As opposed to I'm just clumsy. Uh, it kind of makes me think that you know, like Chris Carter set all that up, and then James Wong was was like, "All right, so I'm doing this." So how did you kick off the season? Like, so the end of season ten never happened. Like she dreamt it. No, nah, that no, nah, Chris, we can't do that. We can't do that, right? So our son, right? We know our son can do like, like our son projected into our brain at the end of last season. Chris, like, that's how a real writer would do it. Well done, James. Right. Thanks for filling. Thanks for filling in that plot hole. So, uh, so uh, hate this episode, by the way. I, well, hey, look, I'm only pointing out what's there. Um. Because I'd heard the same thing going into this. I heard like, oh, no, this one's pretty good. And then I watched it and was like, I don't think it is, everyone. Um, I, I mean, I want to like it too, but I let's all be real with each Bo other. Bull would like to believe. I want to believe, Duncan. <laughs> but this show shows me what it wants me to see. <laughs> and I have no recourse. <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh, 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 and we're coming up with one of the dumbest things in the episode, too. So, um, they decide that they're going to go to the home of the mutual boyfriend of these two girls, uh, either of whom could have been in 47 meters down. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and Or the shallows. Or the shallows, or bait 3D. Um, but at any rate. Or That, too. That, too. Uh, I don't know. They're a little better than Sharknado 6. Uh, I don't know, but... <laughs> they're not old and washed up, and that's kind of most of the actors. Uh, yeah, that's that's the that's the criteria. <laughs> right. That, well, you get all them from the old and washed up agency. Yeah. Where you're like, hey, who's hit the list recently? And they're like, Scott Bale will be here any second. <laughs> yeah. Where are you in American Pie? And did you have a huge alcohol problem right after it? Yes, you were. Right. Welcome to Sharknado. Yeah. Welcome to the team. You're not going to make as much money and no one's really going to like you that much. Yeah. But you're still kind of famous. <laughs> yeah. Um, Welcome. Welcome to Sharknado Park. <laughs> oh, oh, spared every expense. <laughs> oh yes yeah over here is an exhibit donnie most is fighting a shark in the air with a samurai sword <laughs> oh so good man so good yeah so these two you characters. spent so much time asking 
if you could make a Sharknado 6, no one ever stopped to ask if if you should. If you should, yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, I, I, I think we're good. Uh, <laughs> da, 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 da. Um, <laughs> Hold on to your scripts. Um, so- <laughs> Speaking of, Stephen First will be in one of those movies. <laughs> oh, he's dead. Sorry. Oh, um, no. Yeah, sorry. Um, uh, what the fuck is going on in this episode? Oh, yeah, yeah. So they're going to the shitty kid's house. and um, <laughs> Well, they're, they're about to go in and they hear a couple of gunshots go off. And while Mulder is trying to break down the door, a third gunshot goes off. And they find both Vanderkamp parents dead. And uh, when they, you know, when they're in the uh, house, sorry, they hear the third gunshot. They run upstairs and they find, could this be their child? Um, little fucking Justin Vandersnake. Um, fucking dead on the floor upstairs from an apparent gunshot wound to the head, which makes the local police... Uh, who just override the FBI's opinion here. Just override Fox Mulder's opinion completely. Because um, what does he know? <laughs> He's not in this episode. He's checked out. Um, that it looks like a murder-suicide. Right. And the justification is pretty loose. Like, yeah, he was having a relationship with two girls. If that was a reason to commit suicide, there'd be a whole hell of a lot of people dead. Yeah, there's a lot of like, well, there's three people here and they're all dead. Murder-suicide, I guess. And it's like, well, there's a whole world outside where somebody could have just come in here and killed him. Murder, suicide, bull. Doesn't add up to us. Uh, We are from South Carolina, after all. all. Yeah, murder, suicide, bull. Um, Also, they are far too white to get that little attention from the police. Yeah. (laughs) Stretches credulity. Yeah, you uh, think that when the police walked in there, one of the police officers was like, murder, suicide, and the rest of them was like that. Black man did it. <laughs> That's what happened. I think we can all agree. Can't oh, we? Yep, yep. The, the neighborhood yep. is getting combed. Jordan yep. Peele is in the back of a police car by the end of the night. Yep. Yep. We found shit. Uh, all right, so... <laughs> shit. Um, here's the thing that I found real stupid is uh they're trying to like you know hack his computer mm. and uh the way that fox Mulder puts it is uh hey i've got this program that'll see his browsing history that yeah, he's deleted ahead. he doesn't do that this but he does that later oh okay sorry it, yeah that you're right yeah he talks about getting a program from the the dark web from the and fucking was, dark web i was like really really that's the only way you can get your hands on that it's not as if you work for an organization that has that probably invented that fucking code and shut up fox Mulder. and talking about it like it's a place yeah shut up bob uh all right yeah, all right, so they, they don't so do that just yeah, that's, that's, but, So, yeah, they, they, they follow the body back to... No, in fact, whilst they're looking around, Scully sees uh, a, a snow globe with a windmill in it, which is still moving as the body gets taken out. And, of course, Mulder's like that. I know you think you know who this is, but, you know, we need to do tests. We need to yeah. check this out. So let's not get emotional, woman. 
And also there's a picture of Malcolm X above his bed, not like on the wall above his bed on the ceiling so he can jerk off. Yeah. And uh, there's a book called The Pickup Artist or something like that. It's like one of them, like, here's how you how you meet women uh, yeah. books. And it's the dude that we saw on the dock earlier is on yeah. the book jacket. So immediately you're like, oh, so that guy there was her son. Or this think, kid. Do you think this kid refers to his ejaculate as uh, Plymouth Rock? But <laughs> when he's <laughs> masturbating, like, he didn't land it, it landed in him. Um, right. That was really, that's really witty, by the way. That's actually like incredibly well thought out and um, intellectually spot on. And I realized halfway through saying it, maybe not funny. <laughs> <laughs> more, more of a political point than... Uh, like it, it's more satire <laughs> in the uh like pj o'rourke tradition yeah yeah i think with the right crowd people would be saying touche sir touche right if spalding gray hadn't swum out <laughs> to his death he would have been like that was well done yeah but very very yeah. good um <laughs> i did do the eddie's hard thing when i was I wrote in my hand could be funnier or should be funnier should yeah, funny. should should be funnier. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so they follow them uh, the body back to the morgue, and Scully is swabbing herself uh, for DNA, and they're going to run the test, and then she has an emotional moment uh, by the body. Powerful yeah. moment. Yeah, and the, like, look, Gillian Anderson can act, and Gillian Anderson is like crushing this entire season with ease easily the best thing in this entire season y- yes yes i would argue that uh the actor from uh uh the last episode the guy who played uh oh the comedian yeah yeah uh who by the way was in um a futile and stupid gesture playing john landis Ah, well, that makes sense. It kind of looks a bit like John it, Landis. And his sense of humor is kind of very John Landis, actually. Yeah. So it, when I when I saw him, I was like, oh, I'll be damned. Uh, that dude does get around. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she is like, you know, well, that's a one-off performance. I mean, throughout this whole season, Gillian Anderson has been working with some terrible scripts and working with some great scripts, has been like putting out gold regardless what she's been given uh, and this is no exception to that she she very much can act her face is not injected with so much botox like Mulder um that she can emote um and it's this heart-wrenching speech about not being there for her kid and having to give her away and how it wasn't really like her choice and all the things that she's missed and you know that she couldn't have been there to help him and it, she understands that you try to reach out for help and she was just too late and how how futile all this actually is to to sit there and go through this and then she looks up and Mulder's at the door and she says did you were you there for all of that and Mulder's like no just the end and then patronizingly pats her on the back his son by the way remember his son as well Right, um, and yeah, he's just like, I don't know what you're getting so worked up about, goddammit. We barely know the kid. Yeah, probably an asshole. You saw he's dating these two girls at the same time, right? <laughs> he's pulling what we call an Alex P. Keaton, goddammit. <laughs> <So, And, laughs> 
And it just, it, like, like, he literally says, like, come on, we'll do it. And he's still like that. I don't think it's like, we'll, we'll do a DNA test. We'll do it here, you know. Uh, we'll leave this body for two hours. I think that's the line. And when he said that, I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Don't say that. It seems so good. And then all of a sudden, the body moves, Bo. And I'm like, well, there's a fucking surprise. The camera's been p- placed directly above that body the whole fucking scene. Surprise, surprise, the body's not dead. Yeah, so uh, Scully decides to immediately take a nap uh, so that she can have another hypnagogic episode. Only yep. this time it's uh, a snow globe with uh, the uh, windmill kind of thing. Mm-hmm. What do you call them? It's not exactly a windmill. It's like a aer- aerometer on a big pole, like one of them farm aerometers uh yeah i live in a country where we don't do that i yeah i i wish i knew the name of it i would sound smart literally blow away if you put up in my country it's it's yeah, one of them fucking... farm things one like of them their farm things if if you are on a farm and you see a thing that looks like it is uh like a windmill like a weather vane sort of thing that's what we're talking about that's so, the thing that's the thing and it's it, it's not any of the other things on the farm it's that thing so, uh, just to help you out. Um, and it's not that thing. It's that thing. Right. And then Scully starts to put together what everyone watching the episode knows, which is like, oh, you know, William was beaming these images of an impending apocalypse to me. And, uh, and so this is probably him, even though the DNA test isn't back. Although, like, I, do we get a formal, hey, we got the results back? Because it's later, he's talking to Skinner, and he's like, oh, yeah, the DNA, by the way, that's FYI. The, so Mulder seems to know the results. There's no indication that Scully does. Yeah, that's, uh, all right. Well, kind of bad, kind of badly done, yeah. Um, So Scully is like, hey, so here's what's going down. Like, she tells Mulder, like, here's uh the what the I think the visions mean. I think it's definitely William. And now that we've gotten an alert that the body's gone, he's alive. And Mulder, in typical Mulder fashion, is like, well, uh, I don't know if that's true, goddammit. And <laughs> sounds a little far-fetched to me. Uh, and, and Scully is like, no, this is absolutely what's going on. Um, I have believed all of your bullshit for 11 seasons. Why are you so skeptical all of a sudden when it comes to our child? Do you just not want to be a father? Uh, it actually, it feels like she's trying to avoid it. She doesn't say any of that, but it would make it more interesting if she accused him of it or something. Well, it's how he's acting. That right. Bob doesn't have a kid, Bo. I don't know if you know that. Uh, so it's just, again, it's just one of those things as I'm watching the episode, I'm just like, why isn't anybody talking about the more interesting stuff about all of this? Mm. Instead of, because like, because Mulder is behaving this way, is it just because the script just doesn't have him doing anything? Or is that supposed to be the character? And if that's supposed to be the character, why aren't they having some kind of conflict about the fact that she's trying to save their child, which was something they said back in episode one, was something they wanted to, wanted to do? Yeah, but even he wasn't all that interested. I'm starting to think that maybe they're setting up something here. Maybe. Maybe I'm giving them too much credit, but Mulder didn't seem all that interested in getting William in that first episode either. It seemed to be a lot of the push was coming from Scully. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I hope so. I hope you're right. I hope they actually do something with this. But yeah, I, uh, I, maybe we are giving that a bit too much credit. But you're right. It, he's he, weird in this episode. He's really, really weird, and I, it does feel like yeah, that maybe a lot more attention was put into Scully's lines and Scully's delivery and Scully's motivation than was put into Mulder's. Yeah, it sure feels like that. Uh, so then we, uh, it, are they back at William's place or are they at one of the girls' houses? So, uh, so after this, the, then, so yeah, after this, they have a run-in with the DOJ agents outside the hospital. And um, Mulder's like, yeah, I'll get his answers. And he goes right. out there anyway and he speaks and, to the DOJ. And they're, sh- there's a shit running with them, to be honest. Yeah. And then Scully sees the James Hong version of William again. And they just kind of chit chat for a second. Yeah. Outside the hospital as they're leaving. So they leave there. Uh, and from there, I think. Because um, I was yeah. never clear if it was William's house, but then. Scully finds the laptop and says, girls keep secrets too. So that is William's house. So basically, I think they go from there back to William's house uh, to do a bit of further investigation. Uh, They're doing a bit of the snoopy snoop. And uh, Mulder is checking his computer. And Mulder's like that. Listen, there's something weird about this computer. There's no... You know, there's no proper entries in here. In fact, there's not even any porn on this computer. And what 17-year-old that's banging two chicks at the same time doesn't have at least some porn on his computer? And, which is a valid question. And now Uh, I understand the line because it's Scully finding his second laptop, which is also kind of stupid. Yes, so he has a hidden second laptop in the place you would never think of looking under his mattress. Right. Um, Anyway, like, the, the... she says that maybe he scrubbed his history, and that's when Mulder produces his fucking pen stick from the black market or the deep web or the dark web or dark fucking... web. I got this program. Got this program from the goddamn dark web, Scully. <laughs> yeah, be careful. You got to wear gloves when you handle it. It's... And it's just so fucking stupid. And um, yeah, so at this point, the the DOJ etc. start showing up. Um, at the house and Mulder kind of springs in, things into action but at the same time Mulder has a theory and his theory is that once again as a criminal uh, psychologist and criminal profiler Mulder realised when he went into the house the first time although he's not said anything since then that this couldn't have been a murder or suicide and the reason it couldn't have been a murder or suicide is that the blood splatter which is very Dexter, uh, the blood spray uh, splatter was done in such a way that it, there must have been two shooters and the bodies were arranged, uh, which brings him back to this idea that maybe he's uh, William has warped their perception to make them see something else. So we get this whole theory that comes out from this sequence and then Scully finds the laptop and then she goes downstairs to distract them while Mulder hacks into the laptop and comes across something called Operation Crossroads. Yeah, Project Crossroads. Yeah. As in, I'm at a crossroads with whether we should be watching this show anymore. Uh, no, it's uh, an easy joke. So, but yeah, so uh, the, the DOJ dude finally shows up uh, in William's room and Mulder does a little whoopsie with a, yeah. a can of soda. And again, it's one of those technical things, but 
it ain't just gonna do that. It or it's it, not even that it ain't gonna do that. That hard drive is still completely accessible. Totally fine. Even you if work you work for the, the DOJ, that's fine. You yeah. you might as well set that thing on fire, drop it a building, and then drop a large rock on top of it, and then maybe they don't get the data from it. Both. Right. It's real dumb and. It's just one of those things of like, look, I just know just enough about computers to know that's not how shit works. Yeah. Um, I'll tell so, you what this does do, though. It sparks a return of Mitch Pelleggi. Yeah. Right. So he calls them up and is like, hey, am I in this episode? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, why don't you come visit us in the episode we're having but here? It's, yeah, it's even better, though, because he comes on the phone and he's like, that, Mulder, you know, why is it that I don't know what you're doing? And the only reason I know where you are and what you're doing is when I get complaints from other people. And I was like, that, that is literally what me and Bo have been saying since the start of this season. Like, that is literally what we're saying. Like, since the start, it's like that. So, our, but he takes no confirmed. steps to stop it. Yeah, but like, our theory was confirmed. Right. These, like, Mulder and Scully are rogue. Like, they're working cases that Skinner doesn't know anything about. They're just fucking traveling about a place without clearance, without guidance, without any of this pish. They just do whatever they want. And Skinner is constantly getting phone calls from disgruntled law enforcement agencies. Well, like that, yeah, we've had these two people that come in here, like Mulder and Scully. It's like, oh, what did they do this time? Um, but yeah, so he basically says to Skinner, yeah, you need to come out here and speak to him. Skinner's like, I'm not kind of to whatever they are. Um, he's like, well, they, they, you need to come out and speak to me because, you know, like, we've got stuff to talk about in the X-Files and, oh, yeah, oh, there's, I'm getting very poor reception. And Skinner's like that, no, I can hear you fine. That's bullshit. And he's in a coffee shop and a guy called, like, once again, the guy's calling him Bob. And he doesn't respond to Bob for the first couple of calls, and I think this is supposed to be funny, but it doesn't really work. And eventually, like, like the call is like, yeah, I'll speak to oh, yeah, when I get better reception. And then all of a sudden, the smoking man's back in this episode, and then we're retconning about eight seasons of The X-Files. Right, where it turns out Project Crossroads is this thing where they wanted to use alien DNA combined with uh, babies uh, so that they can make human-alien hybrids, and there was this whole uh, uh, whole deal where they had powers. Eh, we'll get into it in a minute, but um, yeah, yeah. So but basically, we have yeah, we have um, the smoking man just saying enough bullshit to be ominous. Kinda, you know, they're getting too close to the project, and we need to watch what they're doing. They, they can't know anything about Project Crossroads, and Skinner's like, yeah, yeah, totally right. So I'm, I have to go out there. So Skinner meets Mulder. Let's keep in mind, because I made a note of this. Mm -hmm. There's literally 15 minutes left in this episode. Yep. And we have abandoned what seemed to be the story yep. about the ghoulie thing, which it's titled Ghoulie. Yep. And so that's gone, been sidelined for this thing with, you know, attempted murderer William, uh, who has the stupid name Jackson Vanderkamp. And is just roaming around. And, like, they're not... Aside from looking at his computer, they're not really taking any big steps to find him. Like, when they realize he's alive, they don't alert anybody. Mm -hmm. They're just like, well, I guess we'll see how this plays out. 
But that's what uh, we spoke about. This that's basically Mulder and Scully all season. Mulder and Scully have done zero investigating this season into anything. They've just been places, fucked around or fucked, and then the case has kind of developed around them, and then have stumbled into it. It's literally how the entire season is played out. Yeah. Well. All right. So they uh, they have the conversation with. Uh, or Mulder has the conversation with Skinner, and then Skinner shows up and yeah, is and he, on the arranges, boat with him. Yeah, arranges this to meet him. It's like a scene from a fucking like a Michael Mann movie. Arranges to meet him on the far side of the fucking Chimera boat. And Skinner's like that. Why am I meeting you here? For one, it's cold and it smells. Uh, and then Skinner decides to, for some reason... Info dump operation. Well, he, after the, it, after fucking the smoking man said, you know, he's getting too close to this. We can't have him finding out about this. Skinner, less than two minutes later, is on a boat telling him about it. I, you know what? I need this show to give me a scene to let me know if Skinner is some sort of double agent where he's working under the thumb of the smoking man as he seems to be. Yep. But is secretly helping them. Like I, I that's what it seems like. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I genuinely don't, because we know that Skinner is being blackmailed pretty horribly uh, by the smoking man. That's what happened at the end of the first episode of season 11. And Skinner knows this grand secret that basically William is the smoking man, which makes the the reveal when <laughs> basically when Mulder says, yeah, the kid was William and he's dead. Skinner is like, oh, I'm really sorry, Mulder, but doesn't like, what? You know what I mean? Because Skinner knows that this kid has the potential to heal the world. I, you kind of think he would act a bit better. But they also need him for the apocalypse to begin. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So once again, you would think Skinner would be like, well, no, this is a bad thing. <laughs> but no, no. So anyway, uh, yeah. So like Skinner tries to give them, you know, this, this is what... This is Operation Crossroads. This master plan, which has been decades in development, we're going to condense it into three seconds while I'm explaining something. And Mulder, I don't understand the purpose of this meet at all, because Mulder basically says, yeah, I know, I read it on a computer, uh, and you're too late. Uh, my son William was uh, Jackson Vanderbeek, um, and he's now dead. And uh, yeah, right, I'll see you later. Yeah, and that's well- all he literally makes... Skinner fly out to wherever they are, South Carolina, and meet him on a fucking boat to have what is essentially a 30 second conversation with him and then leave him. Yeah. And walks off and leaves him there. It's like, hey, man, I just traveled, like, like going through security and all that. Yeah. It took me like four and a half hours to get here. Worst employee ever. Right. And I'm trying to help you out. Like, I'm telling you all the, like, this Matsumoto guy uh, was running this experimental program and they were making a bunch of X-Men babies, except they were really unstable. But it seems like William was one of those X-Men babies and, you know, and also stay away from this because it's the Department of Defense involved at this point. And, you know, Mulder's like, thanks for the warning and throws on his sunglasses and the who plays. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, man, I like, you're right. It's just like, what an asshole. Uh, you know, oh, I'm done with you. God damn it. Off you go. <laughs> like, well, I, 
it's gonna I ruined my whole day to have, talk to you for forty five seconds. Yeah, and yep. by the way, he is That's, the you're assistant, goddamn right assistant director of the FBI, which means he's on a lot of money and he's very important. Shit doesn't happen if he's not in the office to clear things up. You know what I mean? To sign things off, but he's just going to drop everything. Second conversation with Mulder, bullshit. You know that like the people who work in the same office are nearby are just like, the fuck is going on with him and Scully and Mulder? Like, are they all fucking? Yeah. Because like he just drops everything he does anytime they call and... I mean, what what the hell is going on with them? Mm-hmm. Like I, I like I actually show up and do the job I'm supposed to do, but I'm the asshole, and Fox Mulder is the superstar. It's weird. It's weird. But yeah, Mulder goes off fucking on these grand crusade. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Bo. Um, William is very much alive and well, and not only is he very much alive and well, he is back at the hospital. Or did he ever leave the hospital, Bo? Well, he had to because he was outside the hospital when we last saw him. Yeah. But wasn't he walking back into the hospital? uh, Who knows? Uh, (laughs) He's just doing something shitty and awful. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so he decides that he's going to pay a little visit to both them girls whom he wronged. Uh, Alex P. Keaton's both of them again yep. Yep. with like I, I what a fucking dumbass! Like he goes to one of the girls and is like, "Oh, baby, I'm so sorry that I almost made you murder someone and in turn be murdered by someone." Mm-hmm. And she's like, "That's okay," and. He, it's like, uh, like I gotta get out of here, baby. I'm dangerous. I'm a wanted man. And meanwhile, and she's the like, other she's girl, like, do you think I'm pretty enough to audition for Wrong Turn Eight? <laughs> right. He's like, oh, it's cool, baby. You can wrong turn the shit out of anything you want. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they'll rename it Right Turn when you get the part, <laughs> and because he's a smooth motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> but then, the, as as they're you know, he and uh, <laughs> one of the girls from uh, the later sorority party massacre movies um, is like <laughs> making making some time in her hospital room. Yeah, and the other girl sees it and drops a dime on him because, of course, she did. Because she's a teenage girl seeing her boyfriend, question mark, uh, kissing another girl that she stabbed and was in turn stabbed by. Mm-hmm. And is like, well, fuck this guy. And uh, lets the police know. So, of course, the Department of Defense and, and DOJ uh, are are on the case. Um, it's real stupid, man. Yeah, and the... Uh- the hospital apparently is devoid of people. No one's kicking about. DOJ shows up and they're literally running up corridors with guns pulled and no one's there. Yeah, and, and so at one point, uh, and, and like Mulder and Scully have finally both come around to the idea that the episode is about William instead of the ghoulie and they both look a little disappointed like I was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but 
uh, also have decided because of the Bob thing, like we were in a Scully when they're in the Starbucks is like, hey, we're in a different reality where we're in the coffee shop. You're Bob and not Fox Mulder. Mm-hmm. And he's like, right, right. A different reality. And that's what our son William is projecting onto people so that they think that they're seeing crazy shit. Which we've known from, I don't know, about the first 10 minutes of the episode. Yes. So, so thanks for joining us, uh, rest of the, the cast. <laughs> uh, and uh, so the, the, they decide, well, uh, you know, we need to get to the hospital because the Department of Defense is going to murder our, our son, who we thought was already dead. And you got all emotional about, goddammit. Uh, that old womanly. Um, and, uh, so they're chasing William through the hospital, clearly intent on just murdering him. Yeah. They're, 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 yeah. No one's getting arrested here, Bo. Right. And so rather than use his X-Man power right from jump where he just makes himself invisible or something, he, he spends a lot of time running around the hallways. Mm-hmm. And then just does his same trick from earlier in the episode where he makes one of the agents look like this, uh, you know, monster from the Power Rangers again. And the agent shoots the buddy, but presumably they know what he's capable of, right? Or I don't know. This is the thing that confuses me, because if that was the case, you'd walk around with like a taser gun. You know, if he, he could be anything, you would have a taser gun. So if he tased him, uh, it was your partner, your partner wouldn't die. But I, I, don't, I don't know if they know what his power is. I don't know how far their involvement is either. So it's obviously their operation. So you would imagine they're, they have like the, the classified information. But once again, this is the Department of Justice. And the FBI is probably higher up the chain. So I don't know. It's, it's not very well explained. And um, this kid does the same trick to the same guy twice. Um, and the guy doesn't learn his lesson. So, hell mend him. Uh, because basically... And, well, it, it's it's like that uh, Green Lantern problem. I thought you were like, going to say it was like George Bush. I thought you were going to yeah. say it was like, fool me once, shame on me. <laughs> fool me, me twice. Can't get fooled again. Right. Fool, fool me, can't get fooled again. Yeah, uh, yeah it. So after after doing the the trick on him, and you know, Fox Mulder kind of saves the day, um, but not really. I mean, again, they just kind of show up after yeah. all, all. Everyone else is dead. Yeah, Jackson kills everyone. Well, you know, chip off the old block like his old man is just yeah. a wanton murderer. Yeah, and you know, like, again, it, yes, it's in self-defense, but like I was saying about Green Lantern, the problem with that movie is that the Green Lantern can make anything, and everything he made in the movie was stupid. <laughs> and and that's kind of this problem. It's like, you can put anything you want into someone's mind, and you can clearly do it at will because he did it multiple times through the episode. So why just do the same stupid website gag? Why aren't you doing, like... Like I said, I'm invisible, or you see me running out a door, and you follow them, and I go out behind you, or anything mm-hmm. other than the rubber monster. Yeah, 
You're spot on. Okay. I, 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 I'm like, I'm not trying to turn you on it. I'm just frustrated. Yeah, he's like the second one, he turns the, the his partner into Scully, and that DOJ guy puts bullets into Scully straight away without any thought at all, which doesn't make any sense because they could have taken shots at the FBI at any point in this uh, in this TV show already. That doesn't really make sense. And he's hiding, and Scully and Mulder eventually arrive after the fucking dust has settled, and fifteen rims have been shot in it, like the, the riddled bodies of DOJ agents, and they're like, oh, "Williams here, maybe." And then he changes himself into a nurse, and then pretends to run away, and they're like, "Yeah, he must be, must be out there somewhere." Am I really? He's he spent all this time bringing his mother here to help him. He's not going to say hi. He's not going to communicate with him. What the fuck is going on? Yeah, it, 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 it doesn't make any goddamn sense. Um, and, all right, so let's get to the end of this episode, because they don't do anything but stand around and realize that their kid's gone again. Yeah. And so at the end of the episode, they're they're getting gas. Uh, yeah, well, they're driving up and they see one of those windmill thingy tower things, which is exactly the same as the one in the snow globe. And as such, Skilly thinks it's a good idea to pull over and fill up their car with uh, petrol, um, which they do, they stop to, to do that and Mulder goes to the toilet and then Scully bumps into our Asian friend again um, who's been fairly weird, you know, he's got a long journey to make across the other type, yeah, the other side of America um, you know, things have all changed he wished he could, like, think, certain things he says, I'm like that if a random stranger said that I'd like my fucking, especially when I know my son can change reality, my spidey senses would be tingling. Um, especially when he's like that, you know, I, I think it would have been great to to get to know you better. And I'm like that, woo, woo, what? Right, right. Like, I've seen you randomly at odd times. Yep. Why, again, why aren't you being a detective of any kind here, Scully? Yep. So, yeah, so he basically says that to her. And then um, says, "If you're not, was it? If you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem." No, it's uh, if if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Yeah. which doesn't make any sense in the context of the episode. It's yeah. just a thing Malcolm X once said. Yeah, and plus he's saying it to Scully, who has literally for eleven seasons stood for the X Files. So I mean, it's like you, fucking seventeen-year-old, like fucking shite teenager um i've literally not stood for anything at all and you're trying to lecture your mother by using malcolm x quotes to a woman that has more conviction than you'll ever have you little bastard um and she's like oh yeah right whatever and he drives away and then Mulder comes out and Mulder's like oh who was that and she's like i know him from somewhere wait one second he was the guy in the back of that dating book that we saw in william's room and he's like, all right. And then they have a weird cut where he's like, what did they say? And she's like, told me this one thing. Um, if you don't stand for something, you fall for anything. And Mulder goes, Malcolm X said. Ma- Malcolm X, goddammit. Yep, so they both run out into the road like the end of fucking usual suspects looking for verbal kint. And um, the car's not there. So they run back into the shop. They already know the answer to this, so I don't know why they... And once again, this is definitive proof, definitive proof of, you know, this other level of consciousness and all the rest that Scully has been rejecting for all this time. Uh, So they run back in, they check the camcorder footage, and the person that she's having a conversation with is, in fact, William, 
our son. Yep. And that's it. All done. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Done. Well, James is here? <laughs> yeah. This episode made a lot of sense to me. Uh, I could really follow it. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't written by James Wong. It was written by James Hurley. <laughs> I was going to get him to sing Just You and I. And then I got distracted because I was like, none of these girls look like Laura. Why is anyone talking about that? Yeah, no, it does explain why... Um, William doesn't look like anyone at all. He keeps changing all the way through it, and Skull uh, and Mulder change his name. Right, James Ryan. Yeah. That's it makes uh. sense. But yeah, so that's the end of the episode. An episode that I was coming in fairly optimistic on. I actually thought it was quite cool that we got some more information about William. We tied up the what happened at the end of the previous season into something which is kind of plausible and X Filesy, other than she fell over and you know, bumped her head and then woke up and all that stuff had been a dream. Um, I like the fact that we, you know, acknowledged a bit more about Project Crossroads being a thing which we now know a name for that the smoking man was involved with. I I was feeling kind of optimistic. You have highlighted some stuff to me which has now made me think, yeah, I'm with you. I'd much rather have watched the Slender Man thing as an episode. I'd just separate them out and then do the next episode as a Oh, we're gonna find William. Um, well, all right, but but it like even as a, one. even as a mythology episode, the plot. If you just follow like what happens in terms of where the mythology has been and where it has gone by the end of this episode, yes, you have the uh, you know Project uh, Cloverfield or whatever um, <laughs> Crossroads uh, plan. <laughs> Of like, well, here's what we've kind of known anyway, and it, but here's the name of it and all that. Um, but you start with Scully getting visions from her kid and running after him, but not able to catch him. Yeah, and we end with Scully getting visions from her kid and him running away from her, and her being unable to catch him. Yeah. Uh, I don't feel like we've moved the needle much at all. We've moved the needle nowhere because we already, like, Mulder and Scully already knew that it was a very good chance that there was some sort of alien DNA in their kid anyway. They already knew that she'd been experimented on. They might not have known that the smoking man was behind it. They still don't, actually, to be honest. Um, Yeah, we have moved, we have not moved forward at all. Yeah. And it's real unfortunate because we sacrificed what could have been an interesting Monster of the Week episode mm. for a mythology episode that doesn't do anything for the mythology. Yeah. Um, when you put it like that, it's, but it's still better than episode one and episode three. Y- granted. But three is a real a real pit. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I think three that, three that, is the worst episode this season. One is marginally better. And this is, I think it's still a little bit better than... Because at least there's a couple of ideas that you can gravitate to, a couple of things you can hook on to. Scully's performance is great in it. Um, yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree with all that. But yeah, and, and in terms of what we've seen, this is a a, a middle of the road episode at best. Um, realistically, it's just below that. And yeah, 
I, I agree. We've not moved the story along at all, which if you're not going to do that, if you're not determined to move the mythology along, just make it a Monster of the Week episode so you don't even have to worry about it. Yeah. All right. Uh, as Monster Magnet once said, come around to my way, I think, in Duncan. Oh, you quoted uh, Monster Magnet. Nice. I did. Uh... All right, that is episode five of season 11 of The X-Files. Past the halfway uh, mark, Bo, past that halfway mark. We are now uh, on the down slo- slope slide. <laughs> on We're the slip down sliding slope. away. Oh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I, I hope we get some more fun episodes before we do all these stupid mythology episodes, which I, so far have just been handled poorly, and I'm not. Yeah, I don't. I don't want any more of it. I just want Monster of the Week episodes. That's stop all. It. That's all they need to do. All they need to do is do a seed, like a couple of. We've said this before. I reiterate. All they need to do is a couple of mini series of about four or five, maybe even six episodes, which are all just Monster of the Week things. Mulder and Scully, you know, get brought back and to look at one thing, and maybe there's a linking thing that links those stories, but it doesn't have to be fucking grand conspiracies, aliens, the syndicate, their son, or anything like that. It can just... Or at the big... Be- I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. I, I, I just think the idea at the beginning of that very episode is, we need to find our son, here's a lead yeah. that's going to take us into this other investigation that's not going to result in the, the discovery of our son, but it'll be a Monster of the Week episode, and then we're back on the path to find our son. Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. That feels odd to be agreed with so readily. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Uh, all right, folks, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for uh, for listening. Um, it, it ha- This show is an endless pleasure to do, and I hope you enjoy it. Uh, please let us know if you uh, are. And if you're not, then, uh, I mean, you can let me know that too. <laughs> but I have such a good time recording this. I kind of don't care. Um, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Uh, sorry, Duncan, but not sorry, boy. That's all I like. <laughs> Duncan, where can people find you? Um, uh, should they want to hear more? Yeah. If they want to check me out, they should check out the podcast under this there as we are about to start a run of um, shows. Uh, two to be precise um, over the next couple of weeks are looking at the Final Destination franchise and funnily enough we kick it off Final Destination 1 written uh, co-written sorry by James Wong and Glenn Morgan both of X-Files fame and directed by James Wong so there is a linkage mm. Mm. all right <laughs> uh, yeah I, I, I kind of love those Final Destination movies I think I, I think aside from Evil Dead, it is the most consistently good. Yeah, and there's a lot there's a lot to there's a lot to enjoy. Even even the ones that are not great, there are some interesting takes on some deaths in them which are quite like, even though I don't like that third one, there's one with a, a um tanning bed, which yeah, when I watch it I I feel myself wincing. So they they handle that quite well. Uh, it was really cool. I've already recorded the first couple of uh, reviews, and it was kind of cool. Almost with uh, myself and Paul um, Stevenson started to work out um, the chronology of when that movie came out, which is a really weird time in between kind of moving out of that new wave of slasher movies, and it was just before the J Horror boom. 
Um, so it sits really weird as being kind of like this, kind of looks like a teen slasher movie, but has a, a kind of almost J-horror supernatural edge. To, and it, it's weirdly placed, but the deaths in that series are, we, we started to hypothesize that the deaths in that series really are the precursor to torture porn. Like the way that- yeah, yeah. There's a little more of a spirit of like Rube Goldberg silliness to it in a way. Yeah, but I, I mean, in terms of like when you think of something like Saw, and you think of the elaborate kind of traps that are set up in Saw are not too dissimilar from the way some of those final destinations move in terms of how things are set up by death. Um, yeah. So it's not it's not a huge jump to move into that, although those movies certainly ramp it up to the next level. Um, the final destination, final destination movies feel like almost this weird kind of early b- blueprint for some ideas that will be taken and bastardized to make torture porn. So, uh, yeah. So yeah, so that's uh, you can check I me. I go out. along with that. Uh, fantastic. And if you want to listen to any more out of me. Uh, you can head over to stfgaming.com and check out the Shodcast, uh, as well as uh, a, a video series that is just me trying to finish the game, Assassin's Creed Origins, entitled uh, Assassin's Creed Origins. Yeah, um, well done. Natural, naturally. Uh, also, Horror Hangover here on legionpodcasts.com. That is an exclusive uh, podcast just for uh, Legion Podcasts. Uh, and that one, uh, last month we did Saturn three and this month, uh, we decided actually on this show, uh, we're going to do life force for the next one. It's and a good movie. it's a good movie and it's, it's got a crazy background and there's plenty to talk about with that movie. Um, and hero hero go show, which is doing, uh, X day, uh, will be landed by the time you hear this, uh, the Shion Sono, amazing hair haunted hair movie uh which is incredible and uh we're we've got um a little bit of whispering corridors coming pretty soon with richard glenn schmidt Mm. uh because we needed to do something after the tomie films and they're not making those quick enough (laughs) so uh but yeah so that's where you can find me thanks again for listening to this show uh, we we do sincerely appreciate it. Uh, Duncan, uh, say good night. We're done. Good night. We're done. Oh. <laughs> good night. Try!